Are you ready? Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Can't wait! This, this, this is Moffat on the Mic on the A1 Sports Network. Bow to the masters. Break it down! All right, everybody, how you doing? This is Moffat on the mic. We are live, as always, on a Monday night, courtesy of the A1 Sports Network. I am Craig Moffat, and, of course, this show would not be complete without the production stylings of the one and only Mr. Chris Klim. Up, Craig. Sorry for the delay. I was having some issues with my Facebook as I tried to share the uh, live feed. You can check us out live right now. You can follow my show on Instagram at Moffat on the mic, Twitter at on Moffat, as well as my Facebook page. You can follow Klim on the A1 Sports Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Klim. We are really excited to have a special guest tonight, a new one to the show. We are really psyched to have her on. She'll be on in about 10 minutes or so. We are talking about, of course, uh, Taylor Dahl. She is the uh, sports update reporter for the uh, for 1010XL Sport, the Jags uh, Sports Radio Network in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. She is also the social media lead for the flagship station for the Jaguars as well. And she has her own show, co-hosting a show called Helmets and Heels, which you can catch every Tuesday night from 6 to 8 p.m., I believe it's on 1010XL Radio as well. I believe so, yes. Okay. So we are going to be talking Jags football. We're going to talk some NFL draft. We're going to talk some Cubs baseball. And we're going to talk some Bears football with uh, opening day a couple of days away. And, uh, of course, with the draft about 30 days, a month from today, Clem, April 29th. We are that, that's how close we are right now to the NFL draft. And the drama, the drama, the drama that started – what was it? Was it Thursday? The uh, Dolphins trade went down or was it Friday? I think Friday. Okay. We will be very quick about it. Um, We will get into some stuff after Taylor is on as well. Um, She's scheduled to be on with us at eight o'clock, but basically in a nutshell, the first round kind of went for a little bit of a loop on Friday with the Dolphins first trading with the 49ers where the 49ers basically gave up three first round picks to move up to number three and then the Dolphins moved to number 12. I know there were a couple of other picks in the Dolphins. I think the Niners gave up a third rounder and the nine, I think the, uh, the Niners get a pick back, but I'm not on, I don't remember the, all the intricacies of the trade, but basically the San Francisco 49ers are now picking third. Mm-hmm. And um, then what happened was shortly after that trade was made, the Dolphins made a deal with the Eagles to move back up to number six. So instead from now, the Dolphins go from three to 12. Mm-hmm. They, get, they get multiple first round picks once again for next year, the year after that. And now they move back. They trade one of those first rounders to the Eagles. So the Eagles are now picking 12th in the draft. And it's what's weird, Clem. Cowboys 10, Giants 11, Eagles 12. I know. It's like That's, that's got to be some real cutthroat shit right there. That's going to be some – that's going to be interesting because, you know, a team like the Cowboys, they could be like, you know, screw it. I'm going to take this guy out of spite to the Giants. or spite I know, right? Like, I could totally see a lot of cock – I could totally see a lot of cock blocker moves oh that God. take place at those three picks. Like the, Jet, like, the Eagles desperately need another wide receiver to go alongside Jalen Ragger. You can't see the Giants taking a guy if they're there, if he's there, like Jalen Waddle, or if or if Jamar Chase is still there, or if Devonta Smith is still there. Of course they are. And that's what I'm saying. Like we don't really know where each team is going to go. Hmm. Like for example, 
The Giants signed Kenny Galladay. Okay, and on top of that, a really under the radar signing, they signed John Ross, former Bengals first round pick as well. Put those two guys with Darius Slayton, with Sterling Shepard, you have Kyle Rudolph now, and you have Evan Ingram, unless maybe they trade Evan Ingram on draft day. The need for a receiver is not really there anymore, especially when you have Saquon coming back. Right. Now That doesn't mean they're not going to draft a receiver. I'm just saying that the need is all of a sudden not as significant as before right no yeah they could draft like you know the the giants were at micah parsons pro day so they could draft micah parsons as a very good possibility um you know there's a lot of different ways they can go here you know cornerback is not really a need anymore because they signed a dory jackson and of course you have james bradbury on the other side so the giants can go in a lot of different ways here you know they also signed danny shelton today from the uh, former browns and patriots i think it's with the lions last year defensive tackle, former first round. It never really lived up to the hype. Uh, he was actually not decent not, with the Patriots, but the other two teams, not so much. Yeah, he's not bad, but yeah, like you say, didn't live up to that first round hype at all. Yeah. So, but he goes to the Giants as more of a rotational. I'm assuming he'll be the replacement for Dalvin Tomlinson, who signed with the Vikings. But man, that is a very interesting little thing right there that you got Cowboys 10. Cowboys could do whatever they want at that pick. It's really just the Giants and the Eagles and they could, you know, Jockey for position, so to speak. So um, we're going to get into the NFL draft stuff in a few minutes. So there was that. A lot of people got it into the heads that, and not necessarily a bad thing, is that now the Dolphins have enough ammunition to to swing a trade for Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's going to happen now because there are now 19 lawsuits against Deshaun Watson for sexual harassment and misconduct. And on top of that, I don't know if you saw Twitter today, but uh, Jenny Vrentas, who's a writer for SI.com, just published an article where she interviewed a woman who was not part of the lawsuits at all, Mm -hmm. but she went in depth about Deshaun Watson and needless to say, it's a bit disturbing. So it's really tough. And the thing is, look, a lot of people are saying, well, this is nothing but a cash grab. You know, Busby was supposed to submit all of his proof to the police. He never did. So a lot of people kind of thought that, and they may not be wrong. So I'm, I'm not going to, you know, not going to say one or the other, but this woman, I mean, she goes into detail about an, in, an incident she had when she was working as a massage therapist and Watson was one of her appointments. And it goes into fairly graphic detail. Yeah, it's, you so, know, when, when the first story came out, Remember, we were talking about we were all we both said that, you know, we got to wait for more. You know, we need more proof and everything like that, because, again, we've heard stories like this shit in the past. And, you know, it's 50 50. You never know who's telling the truth, who's lying, who's whatever. But now that 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 person came out, it started. The rock started falling and it it's all coming down now on Deshaun Watson. Like we mentioned, too, we want to believe Deshaun Watson's a, a good guy. But the more, yeah, but at the same time, the more this comes out, it's a scumbag. <laughs> it's it's getting worse. Yeah, it's not. And you know, it puts the, for example, it puts the the Texans in a really bad spot because now they can't trade them. Mm-hmm. No team is going to touch them until this all goes away. And even then, would you really want to? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this really puts him in a bad spot. And look, I'm not, I'm not gloating. I'm not saying anything it's pretty messed up either way as I forgot who put it on Twitter and they said it perfectly. 
they said, depending your outcome of the Deshaun Watson stuff, he's either like literally a serial sexual predator or this is one of the biggest farces in all of sports history, and he should go after everybody who tried to slander his name. Right, and I think we should continue this later because Taylor is here. Okay, great. Put it through. Joining us right now on the Moffat on the Mic show, you can catch her as the sports update reporter for 1010XL Jackson on Jack Sports Radio. She is co-host of the Helmets and Heels show Tuesday nights, 6 to 8 p.m. on the same network, as well as a social media lead for the flagship station for Jacksonville Jaguars. We are talking to Taylor Dahl. Hey. Hey, Taylor. How are you guys? Good. Thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, hang out with us and talk some football with the draft about a month away and spring train uh, opening day in three days. Yeah. So. Final. <laughs> well, I say finally, but it's kind of funny because opening day was actually just like in July, technically. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we all forget that we were looking forward to it in March and then all of us last March and all of a sudden it just, everything just shut down. And then it was just whether they were ever even going to play games yeah. this year, which was just, you know, luckily they were able to get the season in without the fans, but um, it's just good to kind of get back to a little bit of normalcy with uh, the baseball season starting the, on Thursday with, you know, at least some fans. Yeah. So there's that. So, you know, that's pretty important, but again, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, hang out with us and uh, talk some sports. Yeah, uh, no problem. Inviting me. As we now get into the very busy part, which is what I'm kind of enjoying. We had the dead zone of like January, February, after the, especially after the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. You got, you got opening day. You have the draft coming up in a month with just endless amounts of speculation on social media. So let's just dive right in. We'll start with the Jaguars, if that's all right. Yeah. And, um, so obviously, listen, we all know that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick for the Jags on uh, April 29th. Sorry, Clem. But um <laughs> Who could the Jaguars be targeting with their second first rounder? What would be the, maybe a priority for them besides the obvious at quarterback? Yeah, I, I think the initial for me is to go skill position. I've, and I know a lot of people don't like getting a tight end early. They say there's chances to get it. But for me, one of the main things that had to be worked on this offseason, and Urban Meyer even reiterated it, like we have to completely rebuild the tight end room and then did absolutely nothing in free agency. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, that or, you know, another receiver, they just got Marvin Jones, who I personally think is a, a beast and could be a one. Mm -hmm. um, you saw, you didn't hear as much because they had Kenny Galladay. So it's like you hear, you have this guy and you have an already number one. But when Galladay got hurt, Marvin Jones stepped in and you wouldn't have even noticed. And he's a scoring machine, which is also what the Jags need because the Jags don't have issues getting the yardage a lot of times. It's mm -hmm. getting the actual touchdowns, getting it scoring once you're in the red zone. So I think that's good. But I still think another fast receiver um, are where they'd have to head, in my opinion. So some sort of skill position, I think they'd need to go at 25. So how ready is Jacksonville for Trevor Lawrence? I mean, I think that if they said we're making a statue tomorrow of Trevor Lawrence <laughs> Stadium, it would be built and everyone would be like, yes, let's go. Um, like on our, the station I work on, 1010XL, we've already had, so we started this podcast and it's called the Trevor Cast. And we started it, I'm trying to remember what it was. It's a 10 week long podcast. So every week they've had different guys. They had Charlie Weiss on. Um, they've had Darian Richard, who's one of the Clemson running backs that played with Trevor. Uh, we don't even know who all is coming on every week. It's even a surprise to us there. But that's just like how hyped it is, is every week. And this podcast is getting 
hundreds of more listens than normal podcasts that we throw up because people just want to know everything about Trevor Lawrence and like you already see him like they've seen him play on the field so this podcast kind of like dives more in depth of things but I mean the amount that Jaguars just want a quarterback the day that the Jets won was probably one of the happiest days in like Jacksonville fans lives ever yeah, one of the saddest in hours because yeah, me and Clem are big Jets fans. So oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, but listen, I can't complain with number two overall, but yeah. you know, you see the conundrum because number one, you already know it's going to be Trevor. There's no doubt in anybody's mind. Now you get to number two, mm-hmm. and everybody's got a theory of who it should be. Yeah, a lot of people like Zach Wilson. A lot of people like Justin Fields. A lot of people. There are some. When Mel Kiper said it should be Kyle Pitts. Yeah. You know that. Oh, I- was, yeah, Mel Kuyper wants Kyle Pitts to be number two overall because, you know, he's very, you know, he's pro Sam Darnold. But you see how there's just so much, everybody's got a different opinion, but you know at number one, there is no doubt it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. Like, I mean, unless Urban Meyer takes a takes a bribe yeah. or something to take Zach Wilson, but I highly doubt, like, I mean, there's no way that's going to be possible. I can't even imagine the city if – any other name other than Trevor Lawrence is set at one. Like I really think it burned down. Like it looked. <laughs> I, but it's funny too thinking back because before that, like Jags said, there was no way. Like they didn't think the Jets could win a game. The Jets were terrible. Sorry guys, they're terrible, and there was like no oh, way cannot win a game. We're stuck. But they were very. They were like okay with Justin Fields. So now it's funny to me that Justin Fields has kind of like fallen out of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Conversation. In November, the Jags were like, all right, we're getting fields. That's cool. He's not Trevor Lawrence, but he's not far behind Trevor Lawrence. So it's interesting to me how far that's dropped off. And you mentioned some Kyle Pitts is a big name here. Obviously, a lot of Gator fans here. So I think he's going to be tremendous. But number two overall, I'm not quite sure. Um, I'm even hearing now people saying Mac Jones is going to come up to possibly three. And that too. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I don't, I don't get that at all. But Because it sounds like if you've ever seen draft day, the Vontae Mac thing where – he could have traded up. He could have kept him at seven and wound up trading up at one to get him. Mac Jones in a lot of mock drafts is really projected to go almost like mid first round. Mid level. Yeah. Probably, and that- he's probably the fourth quarterback out of all of them that's going to be drafted next to Fields, Lance, and Wilson. You know, we, we exclude Lawrence because we already know he's going to be number one. Yeah. Well, and that's what to me, I, so I, I'm a Jacks fan and I'm I cover the Jacks, but I'm a Bears fan. I grew up a Bears fan. I'm from outside Chicago. So for me, a lot of the Bears fans are saying, hey, let's like tr- try to potential trade up to the mid round to get Mac Jones. And that, that's understandable. But to me, it's just a stretch getting Mac Jones or third overall or second overall. When they hired Urban Meyer, were they talking to any other coaches or they were pretty much we're going, they pretty much were focused entirely on hiring Urban Meyer to be the head coach. Um, I think they made it seem like they were talking to other coaches, but I don't think they, I think that the moment they knew, which honestly, Jack's fans knew before the season started, Doug Marone wasn't going to be the coach at the end of the year, unless some miraculous way they ended up like at the, in the Super Bowl, Doug Mm -hmm. Marone was gone. Um, There was just too many culture issues surrounding him. And even if he won some games, I think it'd be, a hard struggle for them to be able to keep him because it just had this like very negative energy surrounding Doug Marone. And at first they thought that was Tom Coughlin. So they fired Tom Coughlin last year thinking that would kind of be the solution to the negativity part of it. And it wasn't. Um, So I honestly think that I want to say even last off season when everything was kind of like people started talking, whatever, before anything even happened, they were already talking to Herbert Meyer, kind of putting it in his ear. Hey, if you want to come back, 
Um, it's kind of known that Shad Khan's had several conversations with Urban Meyer. He said it was never about coming to Jacksonville, but I'm like, really, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> what are you saying if you're not saying, do you want to be a coach in the NFL? Um, so I think it was long before any of us knew Urban Meyer kind of already knew he was either going to Jacksonville or at least thinking about coming to Jacksonville. Now to even go off of Urban Meyer, are Jags fans a little nervous to have Urban Meyer as a head coach for a guy who's never coached in the NFL and he took, was it two years off from, from coaching? So like, I, a little nervous? I, I know. I, so Jags as a whole, if I took a poll, I'd say like 90% think he's going to do awesome and aren't worried at all. I'm personally one of the ones I'm not a huge Urban Meyer fan. Um, I think that he, like he can win games. We know that we, but he can win games at the college level. He's a great recruiter. And this is kind of already shown here in the free agency when he made the comment of like, I don't like free agency because of this, this, and this, he doesn't like free agency because he doesn't get to like schmooze the guys and like win them over. No, you have to, and, and the NFL, it's different. You, it's a race almost to get the best guy and who's going to throw the most money at them. And you kind of saw that affect him a little bit during free agency. And I just don't trust him. I think that if the Jags aren't winning in two years, he's going to be like, oh, my heart hurts again. So I'm going to go. <laughs> I am not completely confident in it. I hope I'm wrong. Like, I hope he comes in and the Jags, I don't see it happening this season. But let's say in two seasons, you know, they're making a playoff run with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. And it's this big story. Um, I just don't know if I quite trust it, but I will say 90% of Jacksonville is thinking that Urban Meyer is going to be like the savior here. Um, but also a lot of the fans here are Gator fans and they did watch him, you know, succeed there and then succeed at Ohio state. Um, and wherever he went pretty much any college he was at, he was succeeding, but it's just the longevity of it. And I don't think they care that much. I think that if they could win a Super Bowl in four years and then Urban says peace, they'd be all right with that. So with regards to Urban Meyer, like you just mentioned about how he really had a problem with the NFL legal tampering period and he wasn't really happy, he called it awful. And like you said, he's really busy. He's really, he's a college, you know, he's always recruited by, you know, face-to-face -face interaction. My question to you is, do you think, because I've always thought Meyer carried himself with a bit of arrogance and I guess that's what comes when you win national championships at Ohio State and pretty much, I think he's only lost like 10 games in his entire career between Florida and Ohio State. Does it speak to Urban Meyer's arrogance that maybe he believed that when the free agency period started, that all he really had to sell people on was him and Trevor Lawrence for Jacksonville, and that should get the floodgates open to get people to go there? Yeah, I think that was a big part of it. And honestly, the first time I saw that headline where Urban calls the uh, legal tampering period awful, I immediately said excuses already because to me, this is Urban Meyer's way of being like, well, if, it, if this doesn't work out, if every move that I'm doing right now, we get to the season and Jags, look, the, the Jags won one game last season. So we can't say that like Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence are going to all automatically win them 13 more games. Like it doesn't, it's not going to happen. Um, so I think that when the first, when I first heard that statement, I was like, excuse, because now we get to go into the season. If he doesn't do awesome that everyone wants and not at the standard that people think that urban Meyer can win, he's going to be like, well, I told you guys that the free agency isn't my thing, you know, like right. that's not it, but it was year one. I'm learning, I'll, you know, I'm figuring it out. That's what Trent Balky's here for whatever. Um, but then if he does awesome, he's going to throw it back to that and be like, 
see like free, you don't need free agency to win in the NFL. And then it's going to be this big thing, but I definitely think it shows how arrogant he is, which like you said, when you win the amount of games you have in college football and you have this name and a lot of these guys that are in the NFL have played with or for, Mm -hmm. I mean, or for Urban Meyer. So I think Mm -hmm. that he automatically kind of thought that throwing his name out there, like, Hey, I'm the Urban Meyer from the Ohio state and Florida, whatever. Um, we're going to get some guys and it didn't happen that way. They weren't all running to Jacksonville to get signed here because what you also have to remember is Jacksonville has this just terribleness surrounding. If you followed anything you heard about Jacksonville in the last five years is Jalen Ramsey wanting to leave and Yannick Ngakwe wanting to leave and them trading away all the good players after 2017 and signing Blake Bortles, but getting rid of everybody else. So I think that as much as people are like, cool, Trevor and Urban are there, but these people have also won one game last season like and it's just not a good place to go I think a lot of people are thinking but um it worked a little bit I mean they I liked some of the free agent signings for sure Shaquille Griffin was one of the names that people here were most excited about and that's one of the bigger names he signed the rest were a little more low-key um but I, I definitely think he tried to use his name to draw more attention than it, it didn't work out that way now one guy that's you know taken Jacksonville by storm has been Gardner Minshew it's been, it's been Minshew mania in Jacksonville so <laughs> with the arrival soon to be arrival of Trevor Lawrence. What's that mean? What, what does this mean for Gardner Minshew? I'm not sure anybody knows. Um, it's kind of been talked about that. They'll take uh, you know, they'll talk about trading Gardner Minshew. Um, they just, uh, the fans love Minshew. He has this personality that everyone wants to like, you have to love him. You love his mullet and his jorts and his weird videos. He posts all the time. Um, and I think, honestly, that I personally think that Minshew can be somewhere in the league and actually succeed. Mm-hmm. I think given nothing here in Jacksonville, absolutely nothing. And when he was in the game, there was at least a game. You saw last year, Mike Glennon put in. They were just getting torched every single game. And I don't know how much a lot of people that outside of the Jaguars know what was going on. But Minshew had a finger issue, didn't disclose the finger issue, and it started – a lot of stuff here and Doug Marone was not putting him in because he was mad that he didn't come up and say, Hey, like my finger's broken. Um, and he tried to play through it, which was definitely affecting him. And that was in the beginning of the season. And then that's when you see Mike Glennon and Jake Luton. And finally they were like, okay, this isn't working. And then you put Minshew in and he carries them into overtime and almost wins a game and almost loses Trevor Lawrence. And they're like, wait, no, I think that, Gardner can go somewhere and actually succeed. I really do. I just think that Gardner also has this kind of arrogance about him too, to where he's not going to go somewhere where he knows he's the backup. He's going to want to go to a city that they're saying there's an open competition and let's see what you can do. Um, And I also think the Jacks would ask for a little more than what he's worth. I think they'd ask for like a third rounder. And I don't think a lot of teams would do that because they're going to say, who won, he won one game against the Colts last season. Uh, we need to see a little more from that. No, yeah, because even like, you know, as a Jets fan, there's a 0.001% chance that I'm praying that Jacksonville's like, you know what? Gardner's our guy. This is Jumania yeah. <laughs> here. Stop it. You're killing me, Clip. We got, <laughs> got him. And we'll, tra- we'll take like Penny Sewell or, or Micah Parsons or someone, and the Jets can get Trevor Lawrence at two. There's like a 0.01% chance I pray that happens. <laughs> 
Well, and it's that's kind of the stigma that surrounds Jacksonville too. So I I can't say that it hasn't crossed my mind that draft day is going to get here and something weird is going to happen and they're going to be like, never mind, we're just going to actually we really like Trey Lance, so we're going to do that. <laughs> that's something that would happen for the Jaguars, but I keep saying no way with this one because when person after person and scout and every coach and every person is saying this dude's a generational guy, they're not like he could succeed in the NFL under the right circumstances. Like pretty much everyone's like, he could already be competing in the NFL. Um, So unless Urban Meyer just is like wasted the day of the draft, like I'm not sure that that would happen. We won't say never. (laughs) Anything can happen. And (laughs) Clem and I will be watching and we're like, oh man, I guess he really was wasted that day when he (laughs) lands first overall. Right. Clem's pretty much Nostradamus. (laughs) Um, But Getting back to Minshew, so one of the signings I saw was the Jaguars signed C.J. Beathard, Uh former Niners quarterback, I'm assuming to be the backup to Trevor Lawrence. So does that back them into a corner with regards to Minshew where teams could easily see that they're just, now they have Beathard, who they paid $3 million for this year, I'm assuming to be the backup unless he's going to compete with Minshew. Does it back them into a corner where they may not have a choice but to release him? Honestly, that's kind of how I feel because number one, I don't know where that signing came from because he's worse than Minshew. And if you watch him play like that, I think he's won like five games or something his career. So it's really weird. Um, The only thing I can think of is that they, they know Trevor's their guy and they're like, okay, well maybe we can get some sort of compensation for Gardner Minshew. And maybe it's going to be some type of draft day stuff like Minshew and some picks for something to trade up. Maybe they have some plan and that's where it's going. Um, It was a really odd signing. I I can tell you not one person in my building understood that we were all kind of like, because I listen to a lot of the other guys because they'll know the more backup of money and all of this stuff. I'm like, Oh, well, if we do this, 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 and not one person understood that signing whatsoever, other than the, other than maybe they're trying to get more people to come after Gardner. Cause they're like, okay, well the Jacks just paid someone. So they're open to getting rid of Gardner. Um, But that's the only thing I can think of, honestly. Uh, you know, the 2020 season, you know, there was no, you know, training camps really. And it was really tough to evaluate guys, but two guys who stood out the most for the Jaguars, at least were CJ Henderson and James Robinson, amazing rookie season for both of them. In your, mm-hmm. in your opinion, who had the better rookie season? Oh, uh, James Robinson by far. I think he was the one person that, uh, about three games in we were already like okay this guy's something this guy is something else and it was every single game that James Robinson was the one keeping plays alive keeping drives alive making I don't one of the games where I want to say it was the second to last game he's diving like jumping over people's heads and running another 15 yards and that was the thing that the Jaguars were missing they had Leonard Fournette and we just saw Leonard Fournette win a Super Bowl but he was not playing at that caliber in Jacksonville it was he was getting stuffed he was running straight into the back of the lineman every single time and people were like he has no vision whatsoever mm-hmm. so it was so refreshing for Jacksonville to get a guy a running back who was actually seeing gaps and finding gaps and making gaps um, to get through some of this and even with a not good line you know a lot of the coaches in Jacksonville say that the line the offensive line is like the best part of Jacksonville last season I'm like okay well this if that's our level if that's the standard you're holding us at then we have some other issues um but James Robinson was especially to be 
undrafted. I mean, this kid came out of nowhere. And I remember everyone making a huge deal out of it when the Jags um, released Fournette. They were like, oh, they're already tanking. They're already tanking. And then come to find out he did way better than Fournette had ever done in Jacksonville, other than maybe his rookie season. Um, so I think for sure, I think people held I, – I think C.J. Henderson performed, but he, I think – everyone here thought it was going to be even bigger um, than what he actually did because everyone watched him so closely uh, in college. So it was kind of, I don't think everyone was as impressed with CJ Henderson. The secondary for Jacksonville was one of the pieces that needed the most help in the off season. Um, so I would, I mean, James Robinson is just a monster. He's good. He's real good. No, he definitely was uh, really good this year. Um Getting back to, we were talking about the wide receivers before they added Marvin Jones. Another guy they added was Philip Dorsett. And like you said, you know, Urban Meyer was pretty, uh, it wasn't really the greatest additions. With Trevor Lawrence coming into the fold, are they expecting big things in year two for players like LaVisca Chanel and uh, Colin Johnson? Um, I think, well, Colin Johnson, I'm not totally sure if he will be on the team when the season starts, to be okay. honest. Um, I liked Colin Johnson a lot. I just don't think that from just little things I'm hearing um, that he's going to be the one that he's going to be returning to Jacksonville. LaVisca, for sure. LaVisca, I think they're wanting him to be the number one almost, which I'm not sure DJ Chark loves that because DJ Chark kind of feels like he's earned that over the last couple years. And, you know, Visca, which definitely started kind of finding his place towards the end of the last season. Um but to me, I think that's what they're doing. That's they in their head, they already have a number one, number two. That's why they went for Marvin Jones. Dorsett, I have no idea because I just I remember when he was in New England and he dropped everything. I mean, I feel like <laughs> he's basically a deep threat and nothing else. That's pretty much all he brings to the table is just like, what's happening. Um, so that one I didn't understand. And then I'm I'm just thinking that they're LaVisca's going to be their one and they think that that's them him and marvin jones are going to compete for that um because i don't know what else they'd be doing and the draft you don't go into the draft looking for your number one receiver you're looking for like the next you know that guy to watch these next guys so uh you know we mentioned jaguars wide receivers as jet fans we just signed keelan cole give us some Something on Keelan Cole. Tell us how he's gonna. How you think he is? Is he was he gonna miss, be missed from the Jaguars? What are we expecting as Jet fans? Um, well, here's my first question: Do you guys have a return guy already, or do you think he's gonna be like strictly receiver? We think he's gonna be both special teams and kind of three or four. We don't think he'll be a one or a two. I think it'll be set with Corey Davis and Denzel Mims. So to me, Keelan, I loved when he was returning anything um that was my favorite time to watch Keaton Cole that to me was the most exciting and like where he kind of like maybe he didn't love that I feel like a lot of receivers don't being like being just that return guy um even Devin Hester didn't like being just the return guy but some of them that's what they do and it's exciting to watch those moments um so for that I say yes for normal a three four guy I think for sure I there was a couple years I mean where he was competing for the one job here in Jacksonville was him and um, DJ Chart kind of going back and forth and everyone's like, who's going to do better this year? Um, I really like him. I just think he is, he's definitely that he's not that guy that's going to threaten anybody. No team's going to come to the New York and be like, Oh man, like we have to go up against Keelan Cole this week, but he's definitely my number one, if 
anybody gets injured, I feel like that's one of the things we saw a lot. You don't notice drastically. Like he can come in and play those stints of games to where you don't notice that it's not your number one guy. But if you're asking him to do that for 16 games, it's not going to happen. You have a former, you're a Bears fan. You have a former Jaguar that's currently on the Bears on a franchise tag. We're talking about Allen Robinson. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how just, if you were Allen Robinson, how excited would you be to have Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback? Uh, I, I don't even know like why. <laughs> does, it even, does it even register? I guess it's the question. <laughs> it's like, I'm sure Alan was like, are you kidding? Are you really kidding? Especially because for weeks building up to it, it was going to be Russell Wilson. And it was like, Bears are doing everything to get Russell Wilson. And then they said, Pete Carroll's not trading him. And then Ryan Pace just fully hit the panic button and was like, <laughs> this is I, was, I have to admit, I mean, I couldn't figure it out. So then the, the first thing I just said was, is Ryan Pace trying to get fired? Yeah. Because when you go from Russell Wilson, who you consider – you know, filet mignon. Mm-hmm. We go to Andy Dalton, which is like the equivalent of like a hungry man dinner. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of like, I mean, you're really, you, you, there's no way you can spin that to the Bears fans. That's yeah. just the red rifle. You just cannot, you cannot spin to the Bears fans. No. And I think for um, Alan Robinson too, it kind of made me, I get it. Like, believe me, I get it. He is definitely one of the top receivers in the league top five, I would say he's, I mean, and he's had Blake Bortles and Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky as his quarterbacks. And he Mm -hmm. still has whatever he's has. There's no denying that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, I started getting annoyed though, because the whole, this whole talk the last year or two is, you know, are they going to pay A-Rob? Are we going to pay A-Rob? Like, okay, we want them to pay A-Rob, but we also need a quarterback. And if Ellen Robinson can't see that and be like, Hey, let me, I'll sign this franchise tag. So you guys have some sort of money and sort of, some sort of leverage to be like, hey, come play for Chicago because we have money and we have Allen Robinson. Instead, he was this big diva, like taking bears off of his Twitter and like doing all that stuff that they do now where you're just like, come on, man. Like, you know that bears have been struggling with money. And the one thing you keep saying you want is a quarterback. So just take your 18 million franchise tag for one year and let us get a quarterback and then they'll pay you. Um, that was a little frustrating, but I also get it from their end because he's like, I just want to be, and I'm hearing he wants to go to New York. Um, I, the Jets well, was like the ones that he was saying, because he wants yeah, a big- he was a big, Wat- I mean, the thing was, he was a big Watson guy and everything yeah. that every time the Jets were linked to Watson, he liked like stories linking the Jets to Watson. Now with everything going on in Watson's life, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. So all of a sudden it got very quiet. But I, but which kind of leads me to my next question. Do you, do you see a pattern now in the NFL where players are starting to get really frustrated and they're going to try to push themselves to specific teams? Like, if, yeah. you know, like we had it with Jamal Adams when he wanted to get traded and, you know, one of the teams on his list was Seattle and they were able to work out a trade to Seattle. Russell Wilson, for example, wanted to go to Chicago, wanted to go to Dallas or New Orleans. And then Chicago had offered him that huge uh, you know huge offer of like three first rounders and two players and do you kind of do you in your opinion do you see that's where the nfl's players are kind of headed now where the second they're unhappy the second they don't like where things are going they're going to try to push their way to a team that they want to go to yeah and i i think that the owners know that also they know where it's leading and good at the end of the day, it's the owners that have the money that are signing the contracts, but these guys know what 
certain teams will do for the number one guy, for the big names, for all these people. And we saw it personally in Jacksonville with Jalen Ramsey, um, which I could not stand Jalen Ramsey. I didn't like him before. I never liked his attitude, even from Florida State. I was never a Ramsey fan. So I was the one person in Jacksonville that didn't like Jalen Ramsey for the first couple of years. And then because I always got that vibe from him. I always got that vibe like he doesn't care where he is or who he's playing for. All he wants is money. Um, and he would say it was he wants to win. I don't think it was he want to win because they just went to they were two minutes away from going to the Super Bowl in 2017. Um, if they, you know, literally two minutes, if Miles Jack wasn't down that thing, that's what everyone says. They would have beat the Patriots and it would have been something different. So you can't say to me, I was like, you can't tell me it's because you want to win games when you were just winning games. Um, and still complaining that you didn't want to be on this team and you want money. And I get, I want money too. I get that. But it's, it comes to a point where we like yeah, <laughs> the loyalty from the guys. And I feel like it's starting to get to the point where you're losing that because yeah. you have so much leverage now. And we watched it just completely spiral and go down. And they're like, no way. Like Jags aren't getting rid of Jalen Ramsey. You know what he did? Faked a back injury for three weeks. So he just stood on the sideline and then was flying to Texans, Texas, Houston to hang out with, Deshaun Watson on the weekends instead of being with the team and that's what happened finally they got fed up so I think the guys know from watching guys like that and watching guys like Jamal Adam you know like uh, Le'Veon Bell did it for a minute it didn't work out as well for him um but I think they they've figured out a way that they're like okay maybe the owners have the most say but we can definitely get what we want if we push hard enough right now you know speaking of Andy Dalton the Bears whatnot is who's going to be the starting quarterback? Is it going to be Nick Foles because they gave him that big contract last year? Is it going to be AD fourteen or are they going to draft? Are they going to draft a quarterback? I, I really don't know. So uh, there's a lot of rumors going around in like the Bears world of things. Um, they signed Andy Dalton for a year contract, so it, at least to me, that was the one thing that I kept saying. At least they didn't give him a Mike Glennon or Nick Foles contract of four years and eighty million dollars or whatever. They. Mm-hmm. Gave him $10 million, which already, to me, is too much. Um, Cam Newton signed for $1 million right after that. And I'm like, Andy Dalton's worth $10 million for one year? No. Um, but there's a lot of rumors going around that it's – they have – Brian Pace has something. And what I'm thinking is he's trying to package something for draft day trade up. And that's the that's what I'm hearing. I think he's trying to go after Mac Jones. But obviously, if Mac Jones slides to the top five, that's not going to happen. But I think they – the Bears think if he's middle of the pack, they can use – Andy Dalton and they can use whatever picks they have um, to try to leverage something. I also heard they're not out of the Wilson thing yet. They're still pushing Russell Wilson. The one reason Pete Carroll said no was because we didn't have a quarterback to send back um, because obviously Mitchell was about to be a free agent and you had Nick Foles, but then if you get rid of Nick Foles and you bring in one guy, you got nothing else at that point. Um, So I'm hearing it's not the end. And I hope that's accurate because if I have to go into the season and it's like, QB one, Andy Dalton and backup Nick Foles. I guess Nick Foles thrives when he's the backup. That's like the best he can be. Um, but I don't know. I, as of now, I guess it's, a, it's Andy Dalton. But from what I'm hearing, there's some little secrets that are going on and they're, that's not what they're going into the season with. See, I got into it with a couple of Bears fans on Twitter like last, a couple of weeks ago when the Wilson news broke because the Wilson story was weird because it started out as, he came out publicly and said he didn't like getting killed and his offensive line stunk. 
then everybody thought it was blown out of proportion. But then all of a sudden, a week later, his agent was talking to the Seahawks about teams he'd want to go to. But then the Seahawks said, no, that's not really. There was always like a thing with me where, where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh-huh. The thing with me was I was talking to Bears fans that really wanted Russell Wilson. They were putting pictures of Russell Wilson in a Bears uniform on their Twitter pages and everything. And I said, the reason why you're not going to be able to get him is because the Bears picked too low in the draft for the Seahawks to really get a difference maker for a quarterback, unless they're lucky enough to get Mac Jones, uh-huh. would be there or not. I said, you might, you're going to probably have to give up Khalil Mack. Yeah. You know, as, a, as part of this deal, because the, the, and the thing is, if Wilson goes to the Bears and they start winning, then the picks for Seattle are going to be even lower the year after that and the year after that. And then I was, and I was trying to tell them, like, you're going to have to give up something like Khalil Mack and somebody else. And everybody was like, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. But then they snuck it in at the end, like, yeah, we're going to probably have to give up Khalil Mack to get him. Yeah. And it just, but like outside of that, since the picks are so low, it just, it, I don't know if a Russell Wilson trade made sense this year. Which yeah, is the Seahawks I, are kind of, kind of moving it to next year, which inadvertently shrunk their window to win a title. Yeah, and I think that was a big part that Seattle said no. But Seattle doesn't even have a first-round pick this year, and they have the least picks of everybody. So they're, they're struggling in the draft area right now. Um, but it doesn't matter, I guess, that much when you have Russell Wilson. They have to fix their offensive line. If it wasn't for that, I honestly think they could have even gone deeper in the playoffs than what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, they have way too many weapons and DK Metcalf is just a gigantic man that can do whatever he needs to do. Um, but I, I agree. I think that I was more of thinking it was going to be Roquan Smith, which the rumors came out and it was Roquan, which to be honest, I would have been more mad about giving up Roquan than I would Khalil Mack. Um, I think that Mack's amazing. Obviously there's no denying that, but I also, if you watched him last season, it's just, slowing down a little he's a little older at least with Roquan you're getting this young guy who's I mean he's just non-stop and he rattles everybody on all levels of the field and it's just so fun to watch him um and I think with Khalil Mack you have other guys up there that when Khalil Mack isn't there like you can notice but it isn't the end of the front um everything I was hearing was like Kyle Fuller Roquan and then a bunch of draft picks um which of hurt my heart but also I would have been like okay well we finally have some sort of quarterback um the one thing everyone was mainly arguing with me about is why does he want to leave Seattle because of a line and then come to the Bears who like line is just as bad but what a lot of people didn't realize in that aspect was they lost James Daniels who was like who's our left tackle and he's an, a beast and they lost him really early on in the season to an injury and so everything kind of like started shifting they didn't have that it's not the Green Bay Packers, yet someone goes out on their offensive line and someone else comes in that's just as good. And the Bears weren't as fortunate to have that. So they kind of, things just got real rough for a little while where it was just terrible to watch, including Nick Foles can't move. He stands there and just takes hits over and over and over again. So it looked even worse than what it was. When they finally put Trubisky in and they moved some pieces around and they kind of figured out the line a little bit more, it got a lot better. Like you saw towards the end of the season, if you watched the Bears game, it went from, I think they ended this season with like 38 sacks or something like that, which was still 10 less than Seattle, but only four in the last four games. It decreased significantly once they started figuring out and once they put a quarterback in that moves a little bit. Um, 
one of my theories kind of always is when you have a starting quarterback and you have a backup, I think they have to play the same sort of game in some aspect. You can't have a Mike Glennon and a Gardner Minshew because they're completely different quarterbacks. So when one gets hurt and you have to replace them, now everyone you're trying to figure out what to do because one scrambles and one doesn't and one will sling the ball and one won't. So a big part of it to me is why I think they might have brought Dalton in because I do think him and Nick Foles have a little more similar of a game um, than Trubisky did. And I think that's a piece of it. But I just I was hearing a lot of those big trade numbers. And I honestly was surprised Seattle turned down what the Bears gave them. But like you yeah. said, it that was just- crazy like that. That's a lot of picks. That, I mean, I mean, Carroll really turned down. I, I was really surprised. I mean, even though it's three first rounders, I think it was like two third rounders. And then, like you said, Roquan Smith was one of the guys. I, it's pretty surprising that Seattle would turn that down. Yeah, I think, um, like you said, I think between the position of the picks uh, and the Bears decided to win four of their last seven that brought this, shot them up to 20, um, that didn't happen. Maybe the trade would have happened. Now, as a Bears fan, would you be opposed to taking Sam Darnold off our hands? (laughs) I don't know my feelings towards Sam Darnold. So my best friend is also a diehard Jets fan. And um, so I I can assure you, this is the most polarizing topic in New York. It's been like this ever since Zach Wilson's pro day on Friday. Mm -hmm. It's like a literal line in the sand. And everybody on one side believes it's time to move on from, from Sam and go with Zach or even Justin. A lot of people like Justin Fields too, but there's a lot of people on the other side that say stick with Sam and build around him. Yeah. I think it's hard not to like when you watch Zach Wilson last year at all, which is probably the only time anybody did is when you start, you started hearing his name towards the end of the season, people would turn on a BYU game. I don't know when that would happen other than that, but he, he was good, but he also, I think people have to keep in mind is the level of players he was also competing against doesn't make it as difficult. Um, I think that he has an arm and he proved that on pro day. There was some throws where you're just like, Whoa, like you do not see this. Um, The thing surrounding Donald is just little things. Like I feel bad for him almost because it's just like mono and seeing ghosts and like all of this stuff that points Arnold and you're like I don't think he's terrible but I also don't think a lot of people know a whole lot to be honest because also the Jets are bad and I mean there's certain the one game last year that everyone was making like mocking with the Jets where you almost won but didn't and it was like the big blown play at the end yeah, Greg Williams called the he called it <laughs> a blitz yeah undrafted free agent on Henry Rocks <laughs> not gonna end well. well that was Greg Williams's attempt to keep Trevor Lawrence alive That's- but that was the funny thing is the Jet fans were grateful to Greg Williams for calling that. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't even like oh they weren't hated Greg Williams at all. They were, they were better ready to build a statue for him in front of MetLife Stadium <laughs> at that point. Well, and that's why I remember everyone like on our show. Everyone was like, oh, they blew that. Like that. That was completely on part of the plan. Really bad. Like that's just what a bad team does. And I was like, not that bad. I was like, look, we've been bad here, and you just don't do something like that. Um, so I think that you just don't know. And I, I feel like Sam Darnold's got the short end of the stick a lot. Um, but I don't know if he'll get another chance. I mean, I think that he will with another team. I think it's best for both parties if they move on. And yeah. I would rather see Sam go to another team maybe even sit behind their starting quarterback for a year or so just to kind of learn and 
maybe even if it's something is just take a mental break from being the starter and just kind of watch and everything, because I don't think he'll be any better. I think he'll be better under Michael Floor and Robert Sala, but I'm going to have to set my expectations higher for him because he's a fourth year quarterback. Uh-huh. Whereas with Zach Wilson or even Justin Fields as a rookie, you kind of restart the clock again where you, and that's where pretty much where the Jets are right now. They're, they're not a competitive team. They're not a playoff team this year. We already know that. So I think it would just make sense to move forward with either Zach or, or Justin Fields, or even, I don't think they'll draft Trey Lance. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where the Jets and the Jags are at this point is let's get our quarterback that we can build around because both teams have a ton of draft picks. Both teams have a ton of money. So use that stuff. Find your guy that you think is going to be your next future quarterback and build around that person. Um, Like you said, there comes a point where which we just did this with Trubisky in Chicago, where you you keep giving chances because you make excuses around them. Like, okay, well, he didn't have a the first year. Mitchell was on the Bears. He wasn't starting at first. He's Glennon, then he got thrown in, and there was no receivers. Um, it, I mean, literally, our, our number one receiver I think was Josh Bellamy. Like, it was just really weird year. Um, then they found pieces, and it, you know, it started looking better. And then the Bears win the NFC North, and you're like, okay, this could be the guy. And then, but then it gets to the point where you're like, there's no progression. There's no, he's not getting better. He's kind of like at the stagnant stage where this isn't working here. Um, and I think you have to find the hard part is finding when that time is. Do you give Donald another chance? Because maybe if you surround him with some better weapons and some better pieces and a new coach, then he'll succeed. But then what if he doesn't? Now you just wasted four years on a quarterback and potentially missed out on Zach Wilson or whoever your guy is. And that's what me and Craig have been saying, you know, because like this this draft is going to make or break Joe Douglas as a GM, because if he decides to keep Sam Darnold and that's the quarterback going for and he stinks. Joe Douglas is going to be fired. I can get like, it's, it's that simple, but if he takes a guy like Zach Wilson, gets rid of Sam in whatever way possible, then you could be like, yeah, okay, you know, that, that, that here's the problem. The Zach Wilson pro day completely torpedoed Sam Darnold's value. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Because now everyone knows the jets are trading Sam Darnold <laughs> and they know they, they're not have to give up anything. And, and if I was a GM of an opposing team that was interested in Sam Darnold, the first thing I'd say to Joe Douglas was, look, it's not my problem. You saddled him with Adam Gase. So I don't feel like I have to give you what you want. I mean, you're going to have a hard time trading this guy because everyone else, and if the Bears and the Washington football team really, really believed in Sam to be a starter, they wouldn't have made the deals they made for Dalton and Fitz. Yeah. I I just don't see it. Um, I want to jump to baseball because we know you're a big time Cubs fan and opening days, three days away. So when I was watching the Cubs during the offseason, I kind of thought at first they were going to blow it up. Uh-huh. After Schwarber got let go, and I think Schwarber went to the Nationals, and then they traded you Darvish and you know put uh, Hendricks at the top of their rotation. And there was a lot of talk about Chris Bryant, a lot of trade talk for Chris Bryant. The Mets were involved in, a, in discussions for Chris Bryant. But then all of a sudden, things kind of calmed down, and they still have a pretty decent part of their of roster last year intact with – uh, Javier Baez with Bryant with Jason Hayward and everything um, in your opinion are the Cubs a favorite for a playoff spot this year not necessarily winning the central but with what they currently have on the roster plus a new manager a rookie manager are the Cubs a favorite for at least a wild card spot this year 
Um, I think that they should be. Uh, I was on the same boat as you, honestly. In November, December, I was like, this is going to be a rough year because uh, the, the main things to me was you Darvish. They got rid of you Darvish and Tyler Chatwood, who were the two like terrible when they first came to the Cubs. And the Cubs were like, get rid of these guys. Why did we have them? And then right when they started finding their way and pretty much carried the team for the last half of the last year, you Darvish for a season and a half, pretty much right. um, got both of them. And then, like you said, got rid of Schwarber, which I was kind of shocked that it wasn't to an AL team because I thought he was going to go to a team where he can just D, be a DH all the time because Schwarber in left field is a little sketchy sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of in the same. And then Chris Bryant, like I was so scared. Every day I was waking up thinking I was going to wake up to like a notification that Chris Bryant traded to wherever and I was going to be so sad. Um, I still think he's going to be gone. I think the Cubs are going to sign Javi over Chris Bryant um, only because Scott Boris is Chris Bryant's agent and he's going to go after the big money and he's not going to go for an extension and the Cubs just have the money but won't spend the money. Um, Boris, but- Boris loves when his guys go to free agency. Like he, he oh, loves yeah. their free agents. Conforto's a free agent and after this year for the Mets and he's a Boris client. Who is- uh, Michael Conforto. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's already going free agency. I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets don't bring him back if it gets out of control. Oh, well, he needs to. <laughs> um, he, but the guy they ended up getting for Schwarber was Jock Peterson, who's been crushing it in spring training. I mean, hitting a home run at least one every single game, right. playing left field out of his mind. Um, and then we got a lot of the pieces back. I mean, you still have Riz O'Brien, Javi, and Wilson Contreras, and in the infield, which is great. I'm not so confident on pitching. Like you said, Hendricks is our one, and behind that's Jake Arrieta, who Philly just, like, threw out of their um, city, which I love Jake. Jake obviously helps the Cubs win, win a World Series, so I'm interested to see if that Jake is going to be even close to what this Jake this year will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it kind of falls off. It's a bunch of guys that you, you don't really trust as ones. Um, the bullpen, Kimbrell couldn't find – the play at all yeah he really struggled last year yeah um it just wasn't pretty so it's a little a little scary in that in the pitching aspect for me but when it comes to everything else the one thing that really hurt the Cubs last year was hitting uh nobody could get on base and you saw that in the playoff in that wild card game they just couldn't they couldn't hit um that looks like it's changed it looks like people have actually found their bats a little bit in a spring training you never know because sometimes a team will win zero, like the Rays look terrible and they just got off a World Series appearance. So it's kind of hard to judge from that, but I, I'd like to think that when you're seeing them actual hit and actually get on base and kind of get some things going offensively, that that, that makes you feel good about the season. Um, everyone has the Cardinals winning the division, which I hate, um, but they're really good. And the Brewers are right behind them. The Brewers struggled last year. and But I think it's hard to deny that the race in the Central could, could possibly be very tight like it has the last two years. Uh, who's a guy we could expect to have, you know, a big season for the Cubs that isn't named Chris Bryant, a- Anthony Rizzo, or any of the main guys on the team? Uh, I'm going to go f- – I'm going to name two just because we aren't quite sure which one of these are going to be starting more yet, but I like both of these guys. Um, 
Bodie, who I've loved for the last few years, he'll kind of play when Chris Bryant's out, he'll play third. He'll also drop on second. He'll play center. He'll play left. He's all over the place, but the kid is, the kid's great. Um, but the really, the one that really pops in my head is Nico Horner. He as the second base last year, came in, you know, with a lot of stuff happened with Zobris and Nico came in and kind of played behind Zobris. And then when Zobris didn't return to the, um, play baseball, he retired or whatever he ended up doing, I guess. Nico came in behind him and a lot of people didn't talk about him. And then last year was his first like real season that you got to see him a lot more. And of course it's a short season. So no one was really talking about it. Um, but if you even look at the games he has played, there's always something he's not like the top five second baseman in the league, but he definitely, I think has the potential to be one of the better ones. And he hits he, on both sides, offensively and defensively, he definitely makes plays. And that's a name um, they that a, a lot of people probably don't even know. He's part of the Cubs roster. I want to jump back to the NFL draft before we, uh, before we let you go. Okay. So, obviously, it's looking more and more likely Zach Wilson will be the number two overall pick. unless. But tomorrow is Justin Fields' pro day. And I don't really take much into pro days, but what – what would Justin Fields have to do? Because the Jets will be in attendance tomorrow at his pro day. Uh -huh. what, what do you think he has to do to try to convince Jets brass, like, I'm your guy at number two? Besides the obvious, just, you know, throwing missiles down the field and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really hard. Like, I think it's hard at a pro day because the pro day to me is like where you're at your most comfortable. You're with all of the people that you – work with on a daily basis and know when I heard this firsthand on one of our shows we have Leon Searcy who used to play for the Steelers and for the Jags I remember. and um, he kind of went into depth about that you know comparing the combine versus pro day and he's like pro day is easy he was like that's your coaches and your field and the people that you throw to and all your guys that you do everything with your staff your PTs all these guys um, and he was like, so this off season is going to be interesting to see, to see how the, a lot of these guys are judged and how the scouts are picking because they're not getting them out of their element. They're very much in their own element. And normally that combine kind of sees which one can, you know, perform under pressure a little bit and perform when they're not in their home field or home practice facility, whatever it is. Um, but I think that fields obviously we've seen a lot of fields and a lot of people were already watching him a ton last year because I mean for a little bit he was one a lot of people were saying he's one over Trevor it was a very short period of time but it was there yeah. I remember um, that actually you're right so I don't I'm not sure though at this point if he could do anything to go bump himself above Zach Wilson to be honest um especially because from what I'm seeing he's even falling out of five um, yeah, I've been noticing that too. Some people have him really high as two, but he's definitely falling. Like he's not, yeah. he's definitely not where he was before. He's definitely not, you know, one A to Trevor or even number mm -hmm. two. There are a lot of people who seem to like Trey Lance more than him. Yeah. And one of those people, Daniel Jeremiah, he does his top 50 and he just did like the 3.0 today. And on that, he was, he had, he doesn't do when they're going to be drafted. He, he ranks them one to 50, like who he thinks are the best prospects. And in that he had Kyle Pitts at two, mm -hmm. um, he had Lance at seven and Justin Fields at eight. So I think, I don't know, honestly, at this point, if Justin Fields can really do anything at a pro day that would shift the Jets mind if the Jets are on uh, Zach Wilson. Because the thing with me is, is 
the, the main reason why I'm not a Fields fan is because I feel like he's a product of the system. Uh-huh. And Ohio State's track record for NFL quarterbacks is almost non-existent. Yeah. And that's what worries me about drafting Justin Fields. It's not that I don't think he can play. I just have this thing that, you know, looking back at all the Ohio State quarterbacks within the NFL, if you even go back to when Cardell Jones was in the NFL and even further when it was, you know, uh, Troy Smith, these guys were, they were just a flash in the pan. And it's, you know, everybody says, well, Fields could definitely be the exception to the rule or he could not. It's just, it's almost, it's really risky to me to draft him. And, you know, a lot of the mocks I'm seeing now have him going to Carolina because they need a quarterback for Bridgewater. But I just think he's a product of the system. That's really my only gripe against Justin Fields. It's yeah. just the history of Ohio State quarterbacks does not bode well. Just like part of the reason why I wasn't, you know, I'm not crazy about Sam is because the track record for USC quarterbacks isn't that great either outside of Carson Palmer. Yeah. Well, and I think also to me, I always get hesitant on schools like Ohio State, especially when they're coming off of seasons that they had, which they like cheated a little bit. You had to play this many games and then they didn't have to play that many games for Ohio State. But when you even Mac Jones, that's why I'm a little hesitant on that, because you have these guys who are surrounded by the best of the best every single day. And then they're getting drafted by a team that won one to five games last season. And so they're not getting the best receivers. They're not getting the best offensive linemen. Um, so that's why you see guys from Ohio State and Alabama quarterbacks, A.J. McCarron, where, where is he at? Like sitting on a bench somewhere for a reason. And he was talked about a lot. Um, so that I agree on that because that's the one big hesitation for me too. Because if you sit and watch these guys, like, yeah, they can throw the ball, but it's everything else that's surrounding it. It's the pace, it's the size, it's all of these other things that factor in once you get to the NFL that definitely change things. And there's always the exception, you know. Um, when you go back to the draft that the Bears got Mitchell Trubisky and that was when Mahomes and Watson both got drafted after that. And I remember the day of people being like, I was like, why are we signing Mitchell Trubisky? But I wasn't angry that we didn't get Patrick Mahomes. And now I'm really angry we didn't get Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. But that of I wasn't you know so there's there's always these cases where you're there's no there's no like scientific method to the draft because you don't know you never know from one level to the other how these guys are going to be now I have you know my last question you said you're from Chicago correct correct now if I ever decide to go to Chicago what are some of the pizza places I should go eat at (laughs) Uh, my personal favorite is Illuminati's it's my favorite if you want actual like good Chicago pizza and a lot of people that get Chicago pizza will go to just like the whatever little first pizza place they see and then they taste it and they think it's terrible because it's like all bread and a little bit of sauce and cheese at the top if it looks like that it's not where it's supposed to be <laughs> um but what's actually funny is if you my other than Illuminati's which you'll see those everywhere um there's a lot of little pizza places that literally are just like pizza but it's near all of the like the subways and the l is what they call it they're like the metros um so any of those that literally don't even have a name it just says pizza but they're by any of the train or metro stations get those okay good okay if i'm ever in chicago i'm gonna be like yep taylor doll sent me this is what <laughs> come. <laughs> just you know let's hope when you know, if you say taylor doll sent you they'll be like all right get out yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Taylor, this was awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us and uh, talk to us with the draft right around the corner and everything going on with the Jags. But uh, we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us. 
Yeah, thanks, guys. I, I wanted to tell you, too, because we have another thing, um, another statue that's going to go up in Jacksonville is Frank Gore also for um, mm -hmm. kind of the reason we're getting Trevor Lawrence, too. <laughs> just, when that happened, I was like, man, this man, he said in the beginning of the season he wasn't going to not win a game. So I would like I remember even telling Craig about like week nine or ten. I'm like, I was like, I am fully committed to going 0 16 if that's what it takes <laughs> to get Trevor Lawrence. I'm, well, here was the thing. The we the game against the Rams where the Jets won. I remember every Jet fan was literally vilifying Braden Mann, the punter, because <laughs> he saved the tackle that would have led to a touchdown that would have given the Rams the lead. I think, and then that by then the Jets would have lost. I mean, Braden Mann was just getting destroyed. This poor kid who just wants to just make a team and all he <laughs> has to do is kick the ball to the other team. That's it. He's not allowed to do anything else. And he tackles the guy that's about to run for a touchdown. It's just, you, you couldn't have scripted it any better for like a Jet fan because we were like, and you just saw like everybody's like Trevor Lawrence dreams just like just crushed like when Braden Mann did that. And Braden well, Mann's attitude was like, I don't care. I'm there to win a game. I, you know, basically said I could give a rat's ass about Trevor Lawrence. That's what made it so funny. Everybody in the Jags, like this isn't a joke. I wish there was live video of the Jags press box because like, Everybody was watching the Jets game, like, sh like trying not to yell in the box. They're like, oh, my God, like this is happening. They were even asking players like in the locker room at, well, I guess couldn't be in the locker room then, but the far distance, six foot away that they were interviewing them. They're like, were you guys like checking the score on the screen to see that the Jets were winning? And the Jets players were like, nah, but I'm like, yes, you were. We know you, we know you were looking up there seeing if they were winning. I'm going to assume that season tickets for the Jags have skyrocketed since Urban and Trevor got there. Oh, but yeah. Trevor's even not yet, but he will be. The initial, and obviously they didn't know like capacity wise yet of what was going on. But the moment they signed Urban that week, they said that they already sold, I don't know, over half of the season tickets that they could promise to sell. Um, what they're still figuring, like Jags had fans all last season also. So they've kind of already figured out the limit, like the 25%. So they're already counting on more than that. Um, but oh yeah, it was immediate. Like salespeople were probably like, "Thank God, we're getting Trevor." Yeah, it must be tough to make those cold calls when it was like, "We're well, we want to sell you on Gardner Minshew." Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, but it's like now we have Trevor Lawrence. So what's up? <laughs> it made their jobs a lot easier. I know those guys made set new records for sales revenues. <laughs> All right. Well, Taylor, listen, thank you again so much for being on our show. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we hope to have you on again sometime in the near future, maybe get closer to our training camps. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, guys. All right. Great, Taylor. Take care of yourself. OK. Bye. You too. All right. Bye bye. All right. That was Taylor Dahl. You can catch her as co-host of Helmets and Heels tomorrow, tomorrow night, six to eight o'clock on the uh, 1010 XL Jacks Sports Radio Network. She is, uh, you can also catch her updates on the same network as well. So Clem, there we go. We always, we always look forward to having new guests on our show. We're always excited to have new guests on our show. And, you know, Taylor, we really appreciate Taylor taking time out of her uh, busy schedule to hang out with us and talk some Jags football. That was solid. And, that was yeah. solid, you know, especially for a new person we've never interviewed before. Like when we interviewed Jake, Ike, Jamie, John Sheeran, it's, at this point, it's like, you know, we're so used to them. It's like, we know it's going to be good. But when we interview someone new, we never know how it's going to be. And, you know, doing that Taylor, that interview with Taylor, that was an amazing interview. Now, see, here's the one thing I like, right? 
when you talk about, okay, we're going to have Jacksonville, we're going to talk Jaguars football. I mean, a lot of people are going to be like, Ugh, you know, kind of like that. Right. When you actually get to talk to somebody really that works for the radio network and is pretty much affiliated in some way, shape or form with the team. And you get that insight as to like what's going on and everything. It's, it's awesome. Like, I think it's so right. awesome to like, you know, and you know, talking about Urban Meyer and, you know, his impact on the Jacksonville Jaguar franchise as well as the fan base, the fact of getting Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the Jags are building a young team. I mean, they're going to be a fairly young team next year. Yeah, and I, I like everything they've been doing. Oh. I think they have a great wide receiver core. Adding Marvin Jones is a hell of a move. Like, and you got a bunch of draft picks too, just like the Jets, man. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's where – I mean, I think that's where Urban Meyer is going to really make his bones, if you ask me, because, I mean, he's not a big fan of free agency. And, you know, with all due respect, most GMs maybe aren't because they know you can't build a championship team through free agency. Right. If you don't have the foundation, it's never going to succeed. But if you have the quarterback, it masks a lot of your, your deficiencies. Right. So if you have Trevor Lawrence – all of a sudden, nobody's really looking and saying, well, we really need interior offensive linemen. You know, we really need a tight end. Yeah, exactly. Trevor Lawrence is slinging the ball left and right and throwing, you know, maybe three touchdowns a game, for example. A lot of those deficiencies get masked because of Trevor Lawrence, because that's all people are there to see. Yeah, no one cares what James Robinson's doing. No one cares who the tight end is. They, they're, yeah. there see, they're there to see Trevor Lawrence. And if he does great, which we all – and 99% of the league believes he's going to be an amazing quarterback, then it doesn't matter, you know? And especially like you, like I just said, they have a good young core of wide receivers with LaVishka Nolf, uh, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, and a running back like James Robinson. Exactly. So you are building like a little bit of a young nucleus. Urban Meyer will address what needs to be addressed. But, you know, as Taylor kind of said, and, you know, your, your skepticism about Urban Meyer will always be in the back of your mind. Yeah, because one thing about winning college coaches is they don't like to lose. Let me rephrase that. It's not that they don't like to lose. They're not used to losing. Yeah. And some of these, you know, college coaches, these college coaches, too. Sometimes they can't hack it in the NFL. They really can't. And, you know, perfect example. Nick Saban is a prime example of that. And then another example is Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly was a great or coach at Oregon comes to the NFL sucks. But that's also one of the things too, though, if you look back, I mean, you go back to guys like Steve Spurrier. I don't know if you remember the Steve Spurrier run too well with the Washington. Well, we'll just call them Washington, but Steve Spurrier came in as coach. They gave him a huge contract to coach Washington. And the first thing he did was he brought a lot of his former Gators players that he coached to the team. Problem was, none of those guys were really good pros. So, for example, one guy he brought up that was not a good pro, but he was a great quarterback for Spurrier at Florida was Danny Werfel. Mm-hmm. Danny Werfel could sling it everywhere on the field for the Gators, but a lot of scouts knew he just was not – his style was never going to transfer to the NFL, and he was going to be a bum. But Spurrier thought that, hey, I have him. I'm good with him and everything. And all of his backup quarterbacks were from the University of Florida. So, you know, Shane Matthews was another quarterback, not a bad quarterback at Florida, but not a really good pro either. Yeah. So in the preseason, Spurrier was lighting it up, putting up like 40, 50 points a game in preseason. And he was like, he thought he was like 
higher than a you know pig and shit. And then what happened was as the season went on, his team just fell apart. Right. Like they just were not good. And then he would get really frustrated because he's not used to losing that many games. I don't think he ever lost three games in a row in his entire career. Maybe when he went to South Carolina, but definitely not up with the Gators. Mm-hmm. And you could see it on his face every day. And then he had to face the press every day. He wasn't used to that. You know, Spurrier, you go as far as Saban, Bobby Petrino. We talked about this last week. Bobby Petrino was another guy. You know, he was a great coach in college, went to the Falcons. He was a little bit of a disaster. And as soon as he got the offer to go to Arkansas, he was gone like a hooker in the night. He was (laughs) gone. I mean, gone. Yeah. So – it's tough for these college coaches, man. And like you, like we mentioned, there's there's few and far between college coaches who do you know successful in the NFL. The jury's still out on guys like Matt Rule and uh, Cliff Kingsbury, but yeah. one guy, one one guy who's who's proven everyone wrong has been Pete Carroll, obviously. Sure, but Pete Carroll also had NFL head coaching experience. Don't sure. forget that. You know, he coached the Jets in like '95, and then he coached the Patriots temporarily as well. So he had NFL experience before he went to USC and then ultimately before he went back to, to coach the Seahawks. True. So, but again, we really appreciate Taylor Dahl for coming on the show today. And uh, we're looking forward to having her on again in the future, you know, especially as we get closer to training camp and stuff, oh, and especially after the draft. Cause when, after the draft, then you kind of see the roster start to come into play. Right. You know, cause yeah. I, like, I wanted to ask you like, Oh, who do you think is going to be a breakout player this year? But it's kind of hard to tell it's tough and- this year for the Jags because there's a lot of turnover. Right. You know, like, you know, you got rid of a lot of dead weight. And the thing is, you know, Urban Meyer was a guy who was publicly critical of free agency. He didn't, you know, he didn't like it. He thought it was going to be, I mean, listen, Urban Meyer can't be that naive to think that it was just, yeah, we're going to go have a steak dinner at, uh, you know, at, a, at the Ritzy Steakhouse and we're going to sell you on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's, it's exactly what it is. It's negotiating with agents. And then agents know that these guys know where they want to go. They're going to, you know, and the guys that haven't been signed right off the bat are going to probably take the big money offer to go to where they want to go. Exactly. And, you know, he's all he's had to do was he's had to schmooze people on being, oh, you come to Florida, you'll do this. You come to Ohio State, this, this, this. Come to Jacksonville. We got maybe Trevor Lawrence. That's it. The thing about Jacksonville is it's a college, it's a college town. Yeah. You know, you watch the Jaguar games, even before the pandemic, the Jaguars had a lot of empty seats at their games. Mm-hmm. You know, they would get a lot of visiting fans because most people that live in Florida, they're transplants from somewhere else. Right. You know, that's why when you watch Tampa Bay Rays games on TV, how many times, how many Yankee jerseys you see in the crowd? You know, you watch Marlins games, how many, how many Mets jerseys you see in the crowd? Well, same thing even with Dolphins games too. I mean, Dolph- yeah. The Dolphins get a decent amount of uh, fans in the stands, but they're not all Dolphins fans. Some of Jets fans, Giants fans, Raiders, whatever it is. Whatever they're playing. Touch on that, though. When you see the Dolphins play the Jets at MetLife, it's a lot of Dolphin fans. That's true. They're all transplants, you know, kind of thing. But my only thing, it's not that I don't think Trevor, Trevor Lawrence will be very successful. It's just Urban Meyer came out, I think it was to maybe it was yesterday or a couple or over last weekend. And he basically said that he's not going to be the coach. It's going to be two years and out kind of thing. 
And I'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to call bullshit on that because I think the minute things do get dicey for you, you're not going to want to be there. And I agree with Taylor a thousand percent. I think he's going to say, oh, it's my heart or, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. I'm not trying to joke about it. I just think that he's going to come up with some bullshit excuse to leave Jacksonville because he can't handle the losing. Right. As you know, when again, when you have college coaches in reputable programs that win national championships, these guys can't adjust, man. It's too difficult for them. Yeah, and especially, you know, a guy like like Urban, who's been out of the game for two years. You know, it's... And that's why I could never figure out why everybody was on Matt, Matt Rule's dick so much. Because, yes, he came from a winning program at Baylor. Okay? He takes over the job at the with the Carolina Panthers. This is nothing to do with sour grapes because he didn't come to the Jets. Okay? It's the fact of he went 5-11 and 11 in his first year with the Carolina Panthers. Okay. I don't want to hear about how many victory losses he had by three points or seven points that they still lost. So it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter how much you lose by you still lost. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, if Adam Gase went two and 14, but 10 of those losses were by seven points or fewer, are we sitting here saying Adam Gase is a great coach? We're not. We want him out because he's two and 14. That's all people are going to care about the end of the day. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. So that's where I think with Urban Meyer, if Urban Meyer goes five and 11 this year with Trevor, and then next year they don't really show as much improvement, but they're improved. Is Urban Meyer going to come back for a third year? Right. That's where we're not a hundred percent sure. No. Yeah. We, don't, I, we just don't know. We, we kind of think that it's a bit of a volatility with college coaches. No, you're absolutely right. And look, I, I hate to change the subject from the Jaguars, but I've been dying to break this news since we since about like 20 minutes before if this. You're telling me it's the great Collie in the Hall of Fame. I'm literally going to drive to Glen Cove and punch you in the face. Absolutely not. About 20 minutes before we went live, our the very the man that is Wayne Randanzo was interview doing an interview with Uncle Steve, and Uncle Steve had Uncle Steve has confirmed black jerseys are coming back this year. You wanted me to break that now? Yeah, I think that's amazing. I love the black jerseys. I do, but you, you, it's breaking news? I think that's breaking news. No, it isn't. You only think it's breaking news because you own the network. Yes, but black jerseys, look, I love the black jerseys. And that, look, that's been one thing that's been like, Mets fans have been clamoring for since Steve took over the, the team. It's been the black jerseys. Shit, I thought you, you know, okay, we need to, we need to have a chat. <laughs> like, did I oversell that a little bit? Uh, a little bit. Look, I, I, I'm just look. I'm all okay. I'm excited that the you get excited like that when Lindor signs the extension. The black jerseys, you could easily go, yeah. Oh, by the way, the Mets are going to the black jerseys. Then I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. You're like, yo, this is, I've been waiting to break this or whatever. And I think it's exciting news. Oh, God. I think because look, like I said, like next to you know the the. Lindor extension, the black jerseys have been the other thing that the that Mets fans have been wanting. That and the and the helmet ice cream that everyone's been wanting back. You know, it's that already though. They have that still. I thought they got rid of that. It is amazing. The Islanders cannot beat the Penguins. Achilles heel in the playoffs. Fucking losing two nothing with fucking Penguins. Um. Okay. So, again. We really appreciate Taylor Dahl for joining our show. If you want to catch her, catch uh, Helmets and Heels tomorrow night, 6 to 8 p.m. on 1010XL. 
Jack's Sports Radio Network. Uh, you can actually check it out online as well through their live stream. Um, okay, so we have a few things. We'll do a little Moffat on the Mic housekeeping like we normally do to finish out our show for today. Um, I am blown away. And we talked about it a little bit with Taylor when she was on, but I am, Clem, I am fucking stunned by how many people really want Sam Darnold under center this year. I'm blown away. Like, and the thing is, is like, I mean, okay, here's how I'm going to put this. It's not that I don't think Sam can play. And I'm actually going to give props to Jake Asman because Jake actually hit the nail on the head when he said this. So I'm not going to take credit for it. I'm going to just kind of give credit where it's due and that's to the man. Okay. So it's not that I don't think he can play, but it's just too risky to go into this year with Sam Darnold and no drafted quarterback. Mm-hmm. You can't go into this year and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to have Sam Darnold and we're going to have James Morgan as our backup. Okay. And the main reason is, is that if Sam, I guess my question to the Darnold, the Darnold defenders is, what are your expectations for Sam Darnold? What do you consider success for Sam Darnold? Is it, wait, hear me out before, and I'll definitely give you, I'll definitely give you the floor because you give me the time. So the question becomes, are you going to be satisfied with his 2019 numbers and say, yep, Sam's back? Or do you expect him to be a top 10 quarterback, which is what I'm going to expect out of a fourth-year player? Out of a fourth-year player who was drafted third overall, yeah, I expect top 10 talent from Sam Darnold, especially all the hype that was being talked about him when we drafted him in 2018. But now with, with the way I've seen him play the past three years, weapons are not, Gase are not, I, I, I can't expect him to be a top 15 quarterback at all. I think he's going to be a bottom half 15. I mean, yeah, granted that Sam Darnold might fit Michael Fuller's offense a little bit better, you know, and now he has wide receivers like Denzel Mims and Corey Davis to go alongside with Jamison Crowder, you know, and – Yeah, know, but again – I, I don't know what he, constitutes success for Sam. For example, if he puts up a similar year that he put up in 2019, are Jet fans going to sit there and say, "Oh, see, I told you. All you have to do is put a put a team around him, and he'll be fine." I know okay? because 19 touchdowns and 13 interceptions from a fourth year quarterback is not good enough. That's not. No, you're absolutely right. And I've wasted now four years of Sam when I could easily have Zach Wilson or Justin Fields and restart the clock again. Plus, I think it's fair to my head coach and my offensive coordinator to have input in this as well. If they tell me, don't trade Sam, we're going to fix him, we're going to take him to the next level, then I'm going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I have confidence in you guys to do the right thing. Right. Okay? But this is not a decision that came just from Joe Douglas. This is a decision that came from Douglas after talking to Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur. Uh-huh. And my, my gut instinct tells me the general consensus was we think Sam is good, 
but we can't guarantee he'll be great. Yeah, and... And like, what happens after this year if Sam puts up better numbers? Like, for starters, he has to do better than what he did under Gase in 2019. Yeah, I'm, Not I'm, what he did in 2020. He needs to do better than what he did with Gase. That means cutting down the picks and throwing more touchdowns. I need, I need a 3,500 season yards, 30-plus touchdowns, and... 11 or 11 or fewer interceptions. That's what I need from Sam Darnold. If, if I'm going to, if I'm going to continue fumbling with him. So here's the funny thing, right? So everybody went crazy about this one throw from Zach Wilson on his pro day, that huge, that bomb he threw to that guy, like 50, it was like 60 yards. Yeah. Okay. It was a beautiful pass. Won't take that away from him. I, for one, do not get excited about pro days. Neither do I. Okay. Pro days are exactly like Taylor said, you're like when she had a, what she, the way she explained it, it was you're comfortable around your own people, your own receivers, your own, you know, whoever. Field, everything, you yeah. know. So yeah. I know you just have a bunch of people watching you, okay? Every Jeff fan went crazy about this throw. And then meanwhile, guys like Lewis Riddick, who was, you know, on ESPN, but he p- decided to get into it with Jets fans, and he puts up the picture of Sam Darnold throwing that touchdown to Braxton Berrios week two against the Niners when they were losing 31 to six, right? The one where he's like running for his life and then he catches Berrios at the last second. And what a lot of people don't get is, is that that was against a, a mediocre at the time, a second tier defense. Yeah. There's no Nick Bosa in there or Solomon Thomas or any of these guys. And the thing with me is like, I can't judge Sam on that one throw. Because quite frankly, there's plenty of tape with evidence to the contrary. Yeah. Like with this throw from Zach Wilson, it was a great throw. But again, like let's see if he can do that with Aaron Donald in his face or Khalil Mack, you know, rushing him or J.J. Watt. You know, let's see if he can do it then. Then I'll be impressed. Otherwise, the guy, from what I saw, you know, I, I look, I played quarterback. I played football my whole life. From what I saw is the guy didn't set his feet. He threw it across his body, and it's not. It wasn't a technical. He threw it to one of his own wide receivers that he knows that he probably knows how fast he is and everything like that. Let's Fair do- enough. Fair yeah. enough. I don't disagree with that. Okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's why. Like but everybody building up to this pro day was talking about how great he is. Yes. Okay. So we're not singling him out for his pro day. We are singling. We are basically taking the entire body of work. And that's where it gets a little polarizing for me. Now, my honest opinion is this. I appreciate what Sam did for the Jets. He was a great soldier, still is a good soldier right now. He's still on the team. I think he put up with a lot of crap that he shouldn't have. At the same time, what I'm going to say is a lot of the wounds were Mm self-inflicted. The same type of interception every week, throwing it into double coverage. Right. The fact that he can't find wide open receivers, the fact that he's not going through his reads well, the fact that he's not going through his progressions, the fact that he's under throwing receivers, the fact that he's throwing it into double coverage, he's taking bad sacks. Mm-hmm. That's the case against Sam Darnold. The case for Sam Darnold is, well, he makes plays. Yeah, we know that. Mm-hmm. We know that. But the body of work is just not consistent enough for me. 
Exactly. Like we like again, we saw Sam have good throws and look like an all star out there sometimes. But then again, you you see him out there sometimes. It's like he was the third overall pick in the NFL draft in 2018. Like this guy stinks. Yeah. And now here's the best part though, because everybody comes back with the same tired response. Okay. Mm. And this is why I'm tired of hearing the Adam Gase excuse. I'm tired. And this is what Jet fans are going to do every fucking time. They are going to constantly play this card until Adam Gase is buried in the ground. And even then they're still going to play the card. Mm -hmm. Okay. The fact is, is I don't disagree with Jet fans that Gase was a problem, but he wasn't the problem. Right. He wasn't the only problem with what's going on. A lot of it is on Sam. A lot of it is on Darnold to work with what he has. If he has some receivers that are wet behind the ears and they've never played, you know, they're not really played as much. It is your responsibility as the leader of that offense to get them out on the field after practice and work on routes together, Mm -hmm. work on timing together. Okay. That's a puzzling thing about Sam to me. Sam was given, you know, listen, it's not fair to Sam. And I, I don't disagree. Josh Malone, Vincent Smith, Jeff Smith, Braxton Berrios, et cetera. Okay. It's not fair to Sam. I don't disagree with that. But as I've said on the show a bunch of times, sometimes you have to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Mm-hmm. And that's on my quarterback. The other thing I don't see from Sam a lot of times is I see no leadership skills from him. Yep. None. Zero. I don't see a guy rallying the troops on the sideline after a turnover saying, yo, that's my bad. I don't see a guy rallying and trying to fire up his offense and saying, yo, let's get that one back. Mm-hmm. I don't see that shit. And yeah. I want to see that from my quarterback. And I don't see it from Sam. And that bothers me. It bothers me a lot. Because again, it, it just, I don't know if it's a case of it looks like he doesn't care but it just, it frustrates me to death when I don't see that. And the, and the thing is between, you know, the bad interceptions being caught on a mic saying you're seeing ghosts, which you never want to say when you're playing the damn Patriots. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, Sam Darnold is nothing at this point more than collateral damage. Uh He's collateral damage for Adam Gase. Adam Gase got fired, and unfortunately, he's got to take Sam Darnold down with him. Because Sam Darnold, as as much as I would love to see him succeed, and I'd rather him go to a team where he can sit back, be a backup on a team for a year, no pressure, no nothing. Maybe take a mental break from football for a year, okay? But I am blown away, and I am so tired of people telling me, well, if you build a team around them. Well, what constitutes a team? Right. For example, Jet fans aren't fucking happy with Corey Davis. They're not happy with Keelan Cole. They're not happy with anything. Okay? So what constitutes a team to please Jet fans in keeping Sam Darnold? Is it we have to get Kenny Galladay and Juju Smith-Schuster and Corey Davis? Do we have to get Aaron Jones for the backfield and Joe Tooney for the line? When you do shit like this, you're coddling the kid. Yeah. And then you, at that point, you know, you're just that, because if you need all those guys to constitute an offense for Sam Darnold, 
That just means this dude sucks, and you need all these good players around him to make him look good. And then the argument becomes, well, the only reason why he was good was because he had Corey Davis and he had Juju Smith-Schuster and Kenny Galladay. This is why I can't back Sam. And like I said, we've gone on four years now and he's got to learn a whole new offense again. And then I have to worry about the fact that I may have to commit $20 million to him in his fifth year option. You know, like I can't do it. I just, I can't take that risk. And Jake said it best. Okay. Jake said, if your expectations are Alex Smith or Ryan Tannehill, you're not going to win a championship with him. Like you you need to set your expectations into Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers territory. Yeah. If you're just going to say, well, Tannehill left Gase and he was really good. Yeah. But Tannehill's never won a championship. So who cares? Yeah. He has not been to a Super Bowl yet with the Tennessee Titans. Just like he hasn't been, he never went to a Super Bowl with the Dolphins. He's never even been to, it looks like, like Tannehill's been great with the Titans, but he's never been even been to the NFC, the AFC championship game. And we're praising this guy like, oh, he's the next coming of Christ because he left Adam Gase's system. That's not true at all. Just because you make the playoffs doesn't mean shit. Andy Dalton was, it was considered, he went to the playoffs a bunch of times. Look where he is now. He's dog shit. Is that because of Marvin Lewis? No. It's because Marvin, it's because Adam Dalton, Andy Dalton stinks. And that's my point. It's just like, what catered? So, for example, next year, if we have Sam Darnold and he puts up 20 touchdowns and like 10 interceptions, right? Mm-hmm. Do I really want to commit $20 million to this guy? Oh. And then after that, next year, the NFL draft class is not going to be good. It's going to yeah. be weak. Yeah. It's going to, there's no, from what I've been reading so far, the only two guys who are like standing out right now are, are Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. And I think his name is uh, Sam Rockwell from North Carolina. Those are the two names that are standing out right now. And then free agency, there's nobody really ever good at quarterback because all, all good teams want to keep their quarterbacks. Yeah, and like I even said to Taylor, if Joe, if Joe Douglas doesn't hit in this draft at this two overall pick, we're screwed. We're, we're screwed for years to come. I can guarantee you that. It just gets to the point where I find that like, you know, I find Jet fans' expectations to be just way too unrealistic. It's like you're making excuses for Sam Darnold again, okay? And the question to the Darnold defenders is this. If you keep Sam Darnold, hypothetically right now, you say, I'm going to go with Sam Darnold in 2021. And his first three games of the year, he's showing signs, but he's still not turning the corner. Exactly. Whose fault is it now? It's, it's Sam, man. It's, is it you? You can't sit there on Twitter and everything and go, "Well, it's Gase's fault." You know, Gase, Gase, Gase. No, he's not here for you to push him around anymore. You can't browbeat a guy who's no longer here. Yeah, and you plus- wanted him fired. You got your fucking wish. You got him fired. But you can't have both. You can't say, "Well, we fired Gase, but now we can keep Sam." No, yeah. it yeah. doesn't work that way. You're absolutely right, and, P- and Jet fans are going to make this. This is this is going to be excuse Jet fans make. They're going to be like, "Well, of course he he wasn't going to be good." Adam Gase, Adam Gase, uh, he was his coach. And if that was the damn case you're going to make, then you better. Then why the what was the hell of the point of bringing Sam Donald back if we knew he was trash because Adam Gase? Okay. Think about it like this, okay, Clem. Imagine you're Joe Douglas. The season is over and everything, right? Mm-hmm. You fire Adam Gase. 
You decide to keep Sam Darnold. Okay. You hire your coaches, you hire LaFleur, you hire Sala, but you decide to keep Sam Darnold. And you're at a press conference and somebody asks you as a general manager of the team, you say, well, why did, why did you keep Sam Darnold after only having six touchdowns and nine interceptions, not to mention in this quarterback class? Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to picture yourself as a fan, as the general manager, okay? Right. You're thinking like a fan. You're not thinking like a general manager. Mm-hmm. And then the reporter, let's say it's, let's say it's Samini. And Samini goes, because we don't think Sam was the problem. We think that he's part of the, you know, we think he's the future of the team. And Samini fires back and says, so are you trying to say that Adam Gase was the reason why Sam Donald failed? Mm-hmm. What do you think 99% of the jet people who think like fans will say? They're going to say, yeah, I think Gase was terrible. And I think Gase did a terrible job with Sam. And I think, you know, and I think all we have to do is build a team around him. Now, if you're fucking Robert Sala and you hear that, Robert Sala would sit there and go, holy shit, dude, this guy, like, he's going to, I'm going to get fired if I don't turn this kid into a pro bowler. Exactly. Listen, I hated Adam Gase too. I didn't like the hiring. But the thing is, is that sometimes guys like Sam Darnold, if they're as good as they claim to be, they need to adapt. Mm-hmm. That's what makes a good quarterback. Good quarterbacks always find a way. You don't have to be Tom Brady out there every week. And part of the reason why Sam was good towards the second half of the year was he was a game manager. Yeah. He wasn't slinging the ball left and right. He was basically making sure he didn't make a mistake. Yeah. That's why his stats were so crappy the second half of the year. Yeah, he threw a couple of touchdowns, but I mean, other than that, it was like, you know, a lot of his games were like 145 yards and everything. And I think it was, I think it was Joe Caparoso, who I think is a little bit of a pot star on, uh, but why? I'll, let me go to it real quickly and I'll tell you what he, he wrote. He wrote something really interesting because people keep using this Darnold to Braxton Berrios touchdown as like the standard. Right. As they're, this is the way that we should be keeping Sam, okay? So this guy wrote, you know, here's a look at Jets quarterback Sam Donald making the same throw in a game that Zach Wilson made at his pro day, right? Because that's what everybody's going by. And Joe Caparoso comes back and says, and he's 100% right. He wrote, for further context, this throw came when the Jets were losing 31-6 to with 113 left in the game against the 49ers backups due both to injuries and game situation. And prior to that throw, Donald was 20 for 31 for 143 yards. You can't single out one play to, as a reason to keep Sam Darnold. Yeah. Okay. Because if, I was going to say, if that's the case, David Tyree would be a, an all-star wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> But, that, but that's what I'm saying, and that's where Jet fans, I think, lose me a lot of times. And that's where I get frustrated with Jet fans because, you know, it's like, well, we think we can run the team better than Joe Douglas. Okay, prove it. Well, we wouldn't have hired Adam Gase. Well, no kidding. No kidding. Is that, is that all you have is that you wouldn't have hired Adam Gase? Like, and that's the, that's the best thing about Jet fans. They're the, they're the best Monday morning quarterback and, and I, I, I like Joe Beningo. I liked him a lot. But he, he was a prime example of that. He would come in raving about all this shit, and then Monday would come around and be like, oh, I can't believe they did this, that. Well, no, like, duh. Like, they come in, but this is what they do. They go into the offseason and they say, we got all this cap space. 
and we're going to spend all this money and then we're going to draft really well and we're going to be back next year because they want to go from two and 14 in 2020 to 13 and three in 2021. It's not going to happen. It's a, it's a process. And I know, listen, it sucks for 10 years. We've been going through the same bullshit. I totally get it. Totally get it. But this is what Joe Douglas does. He's methodical. He's very meticulous. Right. Like, for example, Steven Nelson from the Steelers became a free agent last week. Every Jet fan, you got to sign him. You got to sign him. What is Douglas waiting for? Why aren't you signing him? He may not think he's, he may not be interested in him. You know, maybe he doesn't want to spend a crazy amount of money on him right now. You know, he knows he's going to be a guy in high demand. And as you can see, it's not like everybody has run to sign the guy today. Yeah. The guy's still a free agent one week after he got released. But they don't have the patience. They want McCagnan GM style for free agency, and they want a Douglas GM style for drafting. And I look, I I get the free agent style of McCagnan. I get it a lot because I love the signings he made. I absolutely loved him. But you know, in the long in the in the hindsight, yeah, they sucked. They all sucked. And you know, I'm not I'm not gonna lie with McCagnan. I love the Le'Veon Bell signing. I love the Tremaine Johnson signing because they would. I thought they were players they need. Yeah, long haul, they both sucked. So obviously it didn't work out in our favor, but I'm I fully believe in what Joe Douglas is doing. And I think the Jet fans really need to do believe in what he's doing. Listen, at the end of the day, it wasn't the fact that I didn't like the fed, the signings that Douglas made. It was the fact that his contracts were just brutal. Right. They were brutal. They, you know, they they killed the Jets on the cap. Yeah. It was they were they were bad contracts and these players ended up not taking us to the playoffs. But from an optic standpoint, what what clarif- classifies as success for Sam Darnold? Like I said, I I what my if I I would I, if Sam Darnold is going to be our quarterback this year, I need thirty plus touchdowns, eleven or fewer interceptions, and thirty five plus hundred yards. That's what I need from Sam Darnold. If I don't, if I get anything less than that. Get him out of here. And again, look, then the story came out today because Colin Coward had uh, Peter Schrager on and Peter Schrager was saying that the Jets should keep both. They should keep Sam and they should still draft Zach Wilson, which, you know what, man, I'm, I'm okay with that idea. I, I don't have a problem with that idea. I just don't know if Sam Darnold's going to be up for that idea. It's, it's, it's rough. Like, it's rough. I, I don't, I don't have a problem with keeping Sam and having Zach Wilson here. Zach Wilson does not have to start for the Jets week one. Yeah. I don't think he has to. Everybody proclaims him to be the starting quarterback week one, but he doesn't have to be. There's nothing wrong with letting the guy learn a little bit. You know, yeah. hey, you played, you played some crappy competition, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring you along slowly. Sam's going to run the offense week one. And then we'll see how it goes progressively. Right. And listen, here's the downside to that. Ready? If Sam Darnold can't beat Zach Wilson in a competition, his value is complete shit. Exactly. And then like if you I, thought he had little value then, he's got no value now. Like I think Sam Darnold has I mean, I think Joe Douglas botched this whole Sam Darnold trade value. Immensely. I disagree though. I completely disagree with you on that. I don't think he botched it at all. Because the thing is, is like what if you go to these pro days and Zach Wilson is not as advertised? What if Justin Fields is not as advertised? Then you've already traded Sam Darnold. 
and you have no answer at quarterback. No, I, I, I 100% that, and that was gonna be my next point. Like, I get it. Like, I understand that Joe Douglas wanted to do his due diligence, wanted to check out these guys first, you know, everything like that. But, you know, we went from Sam Donald having potential first round draft pick uh, trade value to now probably fourth round trade value in the matter of a month. Uh, but again, I mean, no, I, but I, I completely, okay, but here's my question of that. Is that Douglas's fault or is it Sam's fault? Whose fault is it at the end of the day? Sam had a year of six touchdowns and nine interceptions. He was terrible throwing the ball. He was missing receivers left and right. And I said this on our show a while back, if you remember correctly, when Flacco took over after Sam got hurt, I said, if Flacco shows competence in Gase's offense, that is a major indictment against Sam Darnold. Mm -hmm. And I was 100% right. Because Flacco looked like a good quarterback under Gase, whereas Sam did not. No, yeah, you're that's right. why while you can every Jet fan can go ahead and they could piss on Adam Gase all they want, and that's fine. I don't disagree that Gase is a terrible coach. But the problem I have with Jet fans is they don't want to hold Sam accountable. Right. Because they hate Gase. So next year, if Sam comes out of the gate slow, whose fault is it now? Because you're not going to blame Mike LaFleur because you like Mike LaFleur. Yeah, you're not going to blame Salah because we love Salah. You're going to turn on Sam. Okay? And, and then, the first thing you're going to say on fucking Moose and Maggie and all those other shows that people call in is, well, we should have drafted Zach Wilson. You see what I mean with this team? This team's a fucking pathetic. This is the same shit I hear all the time from these idiots. It's 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 frustrating because you'll listen to Jet fans on, like you said, on Moose and Maggie, Michael K, uh, Han. Swear up and down, they think they know everything and they know shit. No one, like, like we we don't know not we don't know anything. Like we we hear say from the interviews we've done, we do with like with Jake and and Jamie D'Amico. We hear we hear we hear stuff. I mean, we're not experts in what we're saying either. But it's but these people like they call into the show and they're like. Oh, we need this guy and that guy. We should draft Kyle Pitts second overall. What the hell are you talking about? But here's my thing, Clint. If you know anything about Joe Douglas, you know he's not going to go after these guys. You know he's not going to be methodical. He's going to be very methodical with how he picks free agents. And I don't understand what Jet fans are bitching about with Douglas, but he got you a wide receiver, a pass rusher, okay, another wide receiver in the slot, plus he's a good blocker. He's gotten you defense. What more do you guys want? And then he just added Tevin Coleman and Vinnie Curry last week. Oh, yeah. Good signing. We didn't even mention that. Yeah, those were solid signings. That's my point. What do these people want? It's, it's, it's again, it's not the, it's just not the flashy names. It's not the Levy. You, you can't, you can't reason with these guys on social media. Yeah. But uh, the minute you don't agree with them, they automatically act like they're complete. You know, they, they're automatically like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about and this and that. No, yeah, but we have uh, more news out of Jetsland. I'm not saying this is breaking news, but it's trending that Joe Douglas, G- assistant GM Rex Hogan, and Michael Floor are expected to be at Justin Fields Pro Day tomorrow. That makes sense. But do you think that's you think that indicates anything because Sala was at Wilson's and he's not going to be here? Um, no, I don't think it means anything. I-, I wouldn't look too deep into it. Listen, it's not a lock. Zach Wilson's the number one. It's the second pick. I, I it's not a lock. 
Yeah, it's not. No, well, listen, you got to do your due diligence. You said you were doing due diligence. So get your ass to Justin Fields' pro day and check it out and see if you think he's worth it. Yeah, that's what he's doing. That's which is a good job. I mean, good job by JD and and LaFleur to to get to these pro days. Because if Justin Fields turns out to be, you know, you like what you see out of him, you know, do you think he can run the offense? But everybody says the same shit, right? Zach Wilson is tailor made for Michael Floor's offense. Sam Darnold is tailor made for Michael Floor's offense. I mean, everybody's tailor made for Michael Floor's offense. But the most important thing is there is no such thing as a sure thing. No, yeah. We could sit here all we want. And listen, I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence will be a bust, but listen, it's possible Trevor Lawrence is not as good as he was at Clemson. Yeah. I'm not saying it's probable. I'm saying it's possible. It's possible that Zach Wilson could be a bust. And it's possible that Sam Donald can catch on to another team and be good. We don't know. We can't see the future. We don't have the fucking almanac from back to the future too. We could see the scores ahead of time and see what they do. We, we don't know. But so far in three plus years with the Jets, Sam Darnold has not been the number three overall pick in this draft. He's been hurt and his play has been freaking inconsistent. Yep. And you can't go into this year. You can't roll the dice on that going into 2021. Because if you, if you do that and he fails, then you've set your team back further. Exactly. At least with Zach Wilson, you can work with Zach Wilson. He's a rookie. If Zach Wilson struggles a little bit in his first year, it's not that bad because he's a rookie. He's a fucking rookie. He can't, there's nothing more he can do. But it, it's, it's ridiculous to sit there and, you know, you're already proclaiming the kid a failure. Yeah, I don't take much of the pro day. So, yeah, it was a beautiful pass he threw, but... It, it doesn't doesn't move the needle for me either way. Yeah, it didn't. It Every was, mock draft has now. If people started saying, "Well, Zach Wilson was number ten, now he's going to be number two, then I'd be skeptical. But every mock draft we have seen since the beginning of mock drafts time has Zach Wilson going second overall, either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. No, but some have him Sewell, but they're not going to take Sewell. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's going to be one of those two guys. And um, it's- at the end of the day, it's very simple. Sam Darnold is collateral damage. Unfortunately, that's how it goes. You guys wanted Adam Gase fired. That's fine. But Sam Darnold was not good last year. He was bad. He was bad. And the same people who sit there, who have the nerve to rail against people like Brashad Perriman, are giving Sam a pass because he played for Adam Gates where I could easily sit there and say, well, Denzel Mims could have been a lot better, but he played for Adam Gates. Brashad Perriman could have been a lot better. Brashad Perriman has many touchdowns as Robbie Anderson last year. Not to mention the fact, yeah, he didn't have as many yards as Robbie Anderson. Everybody's like, Oh, Robbie Anderson had a career Renaissance. No, he didn't. Yeah. He finally had a thousand yard season. And if you go deeper into the stats, there were plenty of games where he had like six for 36, you know, five for 40. Those are jet stats. So I just can't move forward with Sam. It's time to move on. And that's it. It's time to move on. You have a new coach, you have a new offensive coordinator, and they want their own quarterback. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So let's finish up uh, the rest of it before we get out of here. 
Um, as we were talking about before, uh, Taylor came on, the Deshaun Watson thing is literally all over the place now. There's 19 lawsuits against this guy. Not to mention, as I said before, um, Jenny Vrentis, who is a reporter for SI.com, had an article today about uh, interviewing uh, a woman who is not part of any of these lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Not part of any of these lawsuits. Who gave a detailed account of an experience she had with Deshaun Watson. And look, at this point, this is bad. It's not good. It's this it's, is bad either way you look at it. Yeah, it's not a it's definitely not good, I can tell you that. And you know, like, here's the more alarming thing, Clem. Watson's been pretty quiet. Which you mean which which you which know which we know it I can guarantee you this is all true. Like think about it like this. Remember when Maida got caught stalking Joe Douglas's son? He was quiet. He was very quiet. He was called out by Craig Carton on Carton and Evan and basically said, you know, they invited him on to tell his side of the story. Never responded. He refused. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, two different situations, but you it's the same. It's, it's, one is easily more worse than the other one. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm always a firm believer that if you're very quiet about it and you're, you know, when you first came out, you were like emphatically, you know, I'm going to clear my name and everything. 19 lawsuits later, I haven't really heard too much out of Deshaun Watson's camp. Exactly. You know, and that's the, the or his attorney who was very quick to talk shit on Twitter about it. Yeah. The, the fact that, you know, like it's not even like one or two where it's like, oh, let's try and, you know, sweep this under the rug quietly. No, it's 19 women that came out and said something. The fact that he hasn't come out and said something, his lawyer hasn't come out and said something. Agent- you got to be concerned if you're a Deshaun Watson fan. OK, but it was kind of funny because. After the Dolphins made that trade, Craig Carden was on talking shit like he always does. And he's like, oh, yeah, the Dolphins are going to get Deshaun Watson and the Jets are going to get set back another 10 years. Well, that doesn't look like it's going to happen now because this Deshaun Watson thing ain't getting cleared up anytime soon. Right. Okay. The other part of it is, you know, Clem, all the times I hear about the Miami Dolphins, when is this team ever going to turn the corner? We don't know. You know how many times I hear this, like, no, the Dolphins are going to be great. They're going to be really good. They're going to be there. They got all these picks and everything. They've had first round picks. They've had multiple first round picks for years. Mm-hmm. And they still trot out the same mediocre team. And mm-hmm. last year, Brian Flores has done a very good job. Inexplicably benched fits when they were on a run for Tua. And it totally screwed them up. And in a do-or-die Week 17 game that would have told me a lot about the Miami Dolphins, they got their asses kicked by Buffalo. It wasn't, it wasn't even close. They lost like 52-17 to 17 or something like that. When are the Miami Dolphins going to finally turn the corner? When are they going to finally be this consistent playoff team that everybody talks shit, oh, the Dolphins are so great, the Dolphins are great, though? Really? I mean, look, they're putting the pieces together. I, I assume once they draft they've been putting the pieces Mar- together for years. Agreed. I agree with you 110%. But uh, it looks like, you know, like you said, Flores has got the team under control. They got Tua as their quarterback. They're, make, they're making mo- – their defense is looking decent. So it looks like they're putting the pieces together. But it's like, you know, can they actually do it? But this, But, again, this Watson thing is just crazy right now. Like, I don't really know what to believe, and it just keeps coming out every day. And like I said, the fact that Watson's been pretty quiet, I'm sure that's what his attorneys are telling him to do is just don't say anything. But, I mean, this is bad. I mean, this is – I mean, I think this is bad. 
definitely is. It's not not good for. Discipline. I can't listen. It's not that I don't think he's. I, I'm not going to say whether he's guilty or innocent because I don't know. Okay, but if 19 women are coming out with stories of you sexually harassing them or, or or they're accusing you of sexual misconduct, unless you can prove otherwise, I have to believe there's something there. Yeah. And the fact that he's so quiet too, like we said. And now you have a woman who has nothing to do with these lawsuits basically telling you that the guy's a sexual predator. Yeah. I mean, read the article, man. It's crazy. Like, it's crazy. But this is not getting done anytime soon, so I wouldn't anticipate anybody trading for Deshaun Watson. You know, which goes back to what I was saying about Darnold. That's another thing. All, like I said to Taylor before, the fact that the Bears signed Andy Dalton, Washington signed Fitzpatrick, okay? Those were two teams right off the bat. The fact that nobody's really coming full steam at the Jets and saying, yeah, we want to trade for Sam Darnold, that tells you all you need to know, man. They're not optimistic in his ability. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they're not going to sit there and say, well, we think Adam Gase was the reason why he screwed up. He was terrible. But they're not going to throw a coach under the bus. No. They're not you know how bad that looks to them with their current coach? The current coach is going to be like, well, you just literally threw a coach under the bus. You know, is that going to be what you do to me if I don't get Dalton up and running right away? <laughs> you know, you got to be careful with that. So um, some other quick notes, uh, the Mets and Lindor are talking about an extension. Uh, Cohen, right now, the, the good news is, the good news is there's mo- the money, you, you're, you're hearing what the money is. And it's around $300 million, which is what well, Lindor wants. Well, I was going to say, it just came out maybe 20 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, that the deal is a 10-year, $325 million offer. He's going to sign that. I think he'll sign that. I think he will too. That's more than what Machado's getting. And while it may not be in hindsight what Tatis is getting, Tatis is getting, I think, less per year than what Lindor would be getting. So my guess is he's going to sign that deal. Because they want to get it done before opening day. Because I know when it originally came out, and probably you were probably just going to get to it, that you know the, the Mets were a little bit south of $300 million and – Lindor was a little bit north of 300 million. So if this is the case, I, I, I fully believe he will be signing somewhere in the next 24 hours. I would be very surprised if he doesn't sign that deal. I think 325 for 10 years is very fair. You know, we're going to go off the air and then it's going to be like, Oh, yeah, they'll sign a 10 or two. So, yeah, but no, I think that's a very fair deal. The Mets are giving him. I definitely think so. He, he had a tremendous spring training. He got off to a little bit of a slow start, but he raked. So good. Spring training. And again, he's a difference maker. And I think he's going to make their lineup that much better. And he's going to make their defense that much better. So, listen, I hope it happens. Because if it does, Clem, I'm getting a Lindor shirt. I'm getting I, – I, look, I was debating. I was waiting on getting a Lindor jersey because I wanted to see if they were going to do the black jerseys. But now I'm getting a Lindor a black Lindor jersey. You're going to go through one of those shady China websites that they have that like, you know, they, uh, go, I, 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 they go away every six hours. I, I, I used to do that when I was, when I was in college, like 19, 20 years old, I was getting all my jerseys from China, but now I, you know, for what it's worth, I got a pretty good comfortable Jersey from that, from that website. So I, I my, too much. my, my Syndergaard Jersey is pretty, I have a couple of jersey. Like I have a Syndergaard Jersey. 
I have uh, a Nick Mangold jersey from China, uh, Jason Williams, Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon. I have a bunch of jerseys from China, and they all they're all pretty decent. I'll give them that. But but no, I will spend I will spend the one thirty one four how much ever a jersey is to get a black Lindor jersey. So, but listen, that's all good, man. If they can get him signed, uh, that would be awesome. Right before opening day, Mets fans would be really fired up for that. Not too many surprises with the final cuts for the Mets. Uh, I was a little surprised that Mike Montgomery got cut. And because um, Robert Gazelman's been terrible in uh, spring training. And I thought Mike Montgomery might make the team. But other than that, it seems like it's just business as usual. You know, there wasn't really any, the hitter spots were never really in doubt. Like we know who was going to make the team from the hitter. It was the, it was more or less the bullpen on like, who's going to be here. I'm a little surprised that Yamamoto got sent down. I thought he might've been like a long relief kind of guy in our bullpen. Plus, you know, gives the option. I think the idea might be to stretch him out and, you know, keep him stretched out for like six innings, you know, to be a starter because you never know if one of these guys gets hurt. The other thing I'm not a huge fan of that I noticed with Rojas is he wants to go to a, he's toying with the idea of an opener. And I think that's a mistake. I don't, I don't like it at all. I'd rather just Lucchese pitched very well this off this spring training for the Mets. And I think he should just, just let him start. Don't, don't overthink this. Yeah. There's really. no, it's yeah. Like, he looked good. Peterson looked okay. Just let, let him start. That's not the way we play baseball. We didn't play baseball that like that last year. We haven't played. But you're talking about Jacob Barnes being the opener and then Lucchese will come in. Well, what if Jacob Barnes, who I don't think has even pitched in the major leagues before gets ra- gets roped in his first game as a, as an opener. Look, there, there are teams uh, that can do that. Yeah. There are teams that can do that. The Rays being one of them, the Athletics probably being another one, another team like that. The Giants, there are teams that are out there that can do that. The Mets, no, we have good pitching. We don't need to do that. Like so, to even entertain that idea, I think is dumb. And one thing too is, it's kind of funny because man, every time I see him at, at the bat, I'm I'm always glad the Mets never traded him, and that's Brandon Nimmo. Oh yeah. Brandon Nimmo has such a sweet swing, man. That guy hits everything. He's a he's a really good player, man. Yeah, I, I like I said, I mentioned it to you. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would hate it if we traded him, but I would understand it. But the fact that we're keeping him, he's probably going to be our starting center fielder. I'm all in. I love Brandon Nimmo. Probably one of my favorite. I didn't, I didn't love the fact of moving McNeil out of the leadoff spot, but Nimmo gets on base all the time, and I think you just got to, you just got to be impressed. He is very good. So, but opening days on Thursday. Night game, Clem, this year. I didn't realize that for the Mets on opening night. It's mm-hmm. not a day game. It's a seven o. It's a seven o five game, I think. Okay. Um, according to Newsday, showed it as a seven o five game. So, but it'll be Scherzer Degrom on Thursday. As for the Yankees, uh, Jay Bruce made the team after Luke Voigt has to have surgery for a torn meniscus. He's going to miss a few weeks. Um, he'll miss at least three weeks, but then after that, he's got to, who knows when he'll be back? Probably like a month or so. Um, Domingo Herman won the last uh, spot in the rotation and uh, Davey Garcia got sent down and a little bit of a difference for their opening rotation. It'll be Cole, of course, starting opening day, then Kluber will be the second. And then instead, normally that was going to be the spot for Jamison Tyon. It's going to be Herman pitching the third game against the Jays. Tyon's been moved to the fifth spot because he's still recovering from surgery. So I think they want to, they, they're giving him a little bit more time in between and Montgomery's going to wind up being the fourth. I so. don't, I don't, yeah, I don't hate that move, especially, you know, Herman had a good spring training. We saw him what he did two years ago in 2019. He was a great pitcher then. So 
Well, yeah, I think he rightfully deserved the third the third spot. And, you know, Tyon pitching out of that five, maybe they'll do a bullpen. Like, they'll keep him on short innings. Like, he'll pitch, like, five innings and then go to a bullpen the rest of that game. So, who knows what the Yankees are going to do with that. Um, the Nets uh, added LaMarcus Aldridge to uh, to the roster. So, um, I don't know if he played tonight. I know they're playing the Timberwolves. I don't think he did. Um, the only thing I'm getting tired, I'm getting annoyed at with the Nets is, is just Kyrie Irving to me. This is something shady's going on with him again. You think? I feel like you know missing games for personal reasons. I mean, what what I, personal I, I reasons heard, are they? I heard it was his wife gave birth. That's what I heard. Oh, okay. Well, they didn't say that, so I. That's what I heard. Again, I don't know how true, 100 true that is, but that's what I heard. And if that's the listen, case, fine. That's fine. Miss games. Listen, adding. Adding Blake Griffin, adding LaMarcus Aldridge. Look, these guys are not what they used to be, but they're still quality veterans for the team. Right. And I think that's the most important thing. So, you know, hopefully they get Durant back soon. So that would be that would be kind of a good thing. And of course, getting Kyrie back and um, and so forth. So, but LaMarcus Aldridge to the Nets. Uh, the Knicks suffer a tough loss. Mitchell Robinson out for the season with a broken foot, which is just really a tough loss, especially after the trade deadline. I thought they would be in on the mix for Andre Drummond, but Andre Drummond decided to sign with the Lakers as soon as he he got bought out. So again, um, there's still some guys that could go after because there's still buyouts that have to be done. Uh, One guy that was mentioned was Al Horford, but that was a little bit of a weird situation with Oak City right now because he's not with the team because they're going to give the minutes to the young guys, but he's going to go just – practice at the facility mm-hmm. you know so he technically he's a part of the roster he's just you know not part of the team like when they're on the road and in games and stuff but Mitchell Robbins is a tough loss either way and um you know the Knicks will have to kind of overcome that they're still playing good ball man they beat the Bucks the other night which I thought was a solid you know solid win for them I know they were playing a lot of the reserves mm-hmm. Giannis didn't play there were a lot of guys that didn't play in that game for both teams and by the way man guess who's back on the Twitter beat oh oh Man Mada. Nish is back. Nish yep. is back. I I forgot. I I heard about. It. I was listening to Carton and Robert. Carton and Roberts the other day. There is something very. Let me just say this right now. Okay. First of all, Meta's tweets now are hilarious because he really looks like he's trying to make nice with the Jets organization again. Okay, because they got rid of Adam Gase, so they you know he's got nobody to piss on now, right? So he's like sources you know jets add this guy and you know quality pickup or you know or joe douglas does this and everything and that's all you need to know clem about how guilty he really is oh yeah but you know what's even more fucking shady about manish instead of coming on a new york radio station to deny the allegations that have been made against you about about the team and you know or, or from douglas and everything he went on a patriots radio station to talk about the story. Dude's a fraud, man. He's a clown. He, if we, that isn't a troll, dude, I don't know what is. We said this back at well, like maybe like week three of the season, and we were like, yo, this guy's a clown, and they and he replied to us. And we were like, Oh, I guess that's what it takes for him to, you know, reply to us on Twitter. You just call him a clown, and that's it. But this guy is a clown. This guy's a bozo. You know what I started doing just to like piss, I know he got pissed at this too. I'm convinced he did, even though he never responded to me. Every time he would try to knock Adam Gase, I would cut and paste a portion of his article that he wrote when Adam Gase got hired. 
about when he said like, oh, the Jets hit a home run by his no-nonsense attitude and everything, where he would put like Douglas one, I would write back, made a one, and I would just cop, I would paste it onto his page. And people would like respond like, oh my God, you know, and everything. And he never responded. And it was just like, I know that fucker was seething when, when he wrote, when he read, he probably read that when I wrote it. The dude is a joke. joke. So Manish was trying to make nice with the Jets again. It's so funny too, because on his uh, profile on Twitter, it says free agent. <laughs> no one's going to hire you. You know what? No, no, no. The, the A1 Sports Network might hire you, but you have to do a, compl- a show with Craig all the time. Hey, listen, Manish is free to come on this show anytime he wants to deny the allegations made against him by Joe Douglas. He won't, but he has my blessing to come on the show. Yeah, first question. What kind of ice cream was his kids eating? Yeah. <laughs> Did you oh. smell the Mr. Softy from Joe Douglas' kids' uh, kids uh, cup? So, oh my God. So, yeah, so welcome back to the party, Manish. You know, that's it. I got nothing else with that. <laughs> All right, you want to call it a night? I have one thing left to say. Oh, I have one prediction for 2022, by the way. Uh, You go first, then I'll tell my story. Okay, ready? Yes. And I know Jeff fans are going to hate when I say this because it's so going to happen. I am so convinced this is going to happen. I thought about it today. I am going to guarantee you that in 2022, Mm -hmm. Sam Darnold will be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. Mark it down. I could see that. Now, tomorrow, if you hear fucking Evan Roberts and Craig Carton say that, then you know they were listening to our show last night. <laughs> okay? If you hear anybody say that on any show, look, I guarantee it, you. Look, we, 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 we've been convinced that, you know, someone higher up is listening. Well, people are totally ripping us off. I'm convinced. I am well, so it happened. When we were at Worldwide, it maybe happened like three or four shows in a row where we said something and it was like the next day you hear it. I'm show like, up on Guido's show or show up on Tyler's show or even Errol's show. It was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, they're saying this now? Like, we said this last night. I'm telling you, man, I, I'm so convinced it's going to happen. And Jet fans are going to have a heart attack when it happens. Oh, absolutely, they will. Belichick will. If Belichick is still the coach of the Jet, uh, Patriots next year, I guarantee. I think he'll make a play for Sam. I would totally believe it. I wouldn't. Totally. Doubt. All right, what do you got? All right, so about I would say over during the pandemic, a famous baseball player moved to Glen Cove. Former former baseball player moved to Glen Cove. Really. Yes, I'm not going to say who it is yet because it'll spoil it. So I know who it is, you know, very hyped that this dude was coming to Glen Cove. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe he's going to be living here. I can't wait to potentially bump into him. Going grocery shopping today after work, go to Stop and Shop, going down the bread's aisle. Who do I see? That person. And you know who it is? Doc Gooden. Really? He moved into your neighborhood? He moved into Glen Cove. And I was just like... About like yeah, over the summer, my buddy texts me who works down at our who works down at the golf course. He texts me. He's like, "Yo, you never heard, you never uh, guess what I found out today." I was like, "What?" He's like, "I heard uh, Doc Gooden is, is moved to Glen Cove." I was like, "What? Who did you hear that?" He's like, "Cause one of the guys he works with bumped into him at King Cullen," and I'm like, "Oh shit!" And then one of my one of the cops who's in a fireman as well. He also he messaged us one day. He was just like, "Yeah, Doc Gooden called us about something." 
or whatever. I was like, oh shit, confirmed. Doc Gooden looks like Glenn Cove. So as I'm passing the breads, he had his mask on, but I'm like, that's Doc Gooden. Like, what the hell? Like, I was like, I was like, I was, I was stunned. I was like, I was like, I walked by him, or I was like, I can't believe that was, that's Doc Gooden. I like, I, I didn't, I didn't want to be like, you know, like creepy and be like, hey, I know you're picking out whole wheat bread, but like, I'm a huge fan of yours, like. You're you were my dad's favorite player and everything like that. And I was I, a big Gooden fan. I was a huge Gooden fan in the eighties. I, I call I called my dad up as I'm get as I'm online to get a get a sliced ham, and my dad's like, "Oh, you got to go up to him and tell him that like my dad, your dad was the, his favorite player back in the day. All this shit. I'm like, Dad, I'm not, the guy's buying buying groceries. I'm not I'm not going up to him and and asking for like autograph, asking him to sign the bananas I have in my cart. Like, I'm like, I can't do it. Like I was, I was like so nervous. I, I, as soon as I was done getting that, my ham, I was just like, Oh, where, where is he? I circled the store. I'm like, damn, he's gone. But it was definitely Doc Gooden, man. Dude, that's pretty awesome, man. I got my, my dad was mad. He's like, I can't believe you didn't get a picture with him. I'm like, what do you want me to do? I can't do anything about it now. But I, I was like, I bet you will run into him again at some point. He lives in Glen Cove. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. Actually, you know who lives in Limbrook? Who? Joe Gatto. From really? Jokers. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I heard about I see him all the time. I see him at the parades all the time. Oh, shit. I see him all the time at the parades. There's a lot of, like, decently famous people. There's, like, a lot of famous people that live on Long Island. And people just, like, don't even know about it. Like... I had someone tell me that Whitey Ford lived in Glen Cove too, and I was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Whitey Ford lives. Whitey in- Ford lived in Great Neck. He used to live right by my dad. Yeah, I, I, I could walk to his house from my dad's house. I knew exactly where he lived. It's crazy, like the the amount of like famous like athletes and singers and whatnot that live in on Long Island. It's crazy. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for the Moffat on the Mic show for this Monday night. Again, a very special thank you to Taylor Dahl for joining us to talk some Jags football, Bears football, Cubs baseball, and some NFL draft. We are a month away. We really appreciate it. Check out her show, Helmets and Heels, tomorrow, 6 to 8 p.m. on the 1010XL Jacks Sports Radio Network. You can catch it online as well. And um, look out for her sports updates also on the same network and everything. But we really appreciate her taking the time to hang out with us and talk some sports with us. So uh, definitely follow Taylor Dahl on Twitter, follow her on Instagram and uh, everything. And she's always, uh, you know, got some pretty cool stories and breaking news and, you know, being a, being a tough Bears fan and a Cubs fan and everything like that. But again, we really appreciate Taylor Dahl joining us on the show. We look forward to having her on again in the future. So uh, again, you can follow my show on Instagram at Moff on the Mic, Twitter at On Moffitt and on the Facebook page as well. You can follow Klim on the A1 Sports Network, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Klim, do you want to do a show Thursday? Yeah, let's do a show Thursday because are next, you sure? Yes, because I'm all yes because the following Thursday after that is uh, stand and deliver NXT and I'm not going to be around for that for next that next Thursday obviously because of the shit we're doing so let's do a show next Thursday. And do you want to do a night show or you want to do a day show? Let's do. Uh, let's do do a, you want to try to do a show before the Met game or you want to? Let's do a night show. Let's do you, another- night show? you want to do an eight o'clock night show? Yeah. Okay, so we'll be back Thursday night at eight o'clock. I got as a, as you people know, I must run it by the boss. <laughs> so that's how it works here. Okay. So, but on behalf of Clem, I am Craig. This is the Moffat on the Mic Show. Wherever you are, stay safe, take care of yourself, wear your mask. Clem, we can get vaccinated now. I've been vaccinated. I got actually, I got mine two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
I got my first one last. Actually, I got my first one last week. Yeah, I got mine. I got mine a while ago, and no side effects whatsoever. So I'm. Uh, I only had a sore arm, really. I That's just had like a little bit. Of, I had, I got the Moderna one. I got um. I have a small. I had a like a sore arm for like a day or two, yeah, but you, I was fine after that. You said you got the just the first one, right? Yeah, I go back April seventeenth for the second one. The second one is where everyone says you'll get the side effects, like as if you had covid or whatnot i i'm lucky enough where i didn't have any side effects and like because i was trying to like you know i'm i'm in and out of hospitals all day to uh, talk with being an emt and i i talked to all the nurses that are there and i'm like oh you know they're like yeah i got my i got side effects side but all this stuff i had none and i'm just like i must have been one of the lucky ones you have moderna or pfizer i had the moderna you have moderna i had the moderna yeah the only thing i had was a sore arm and but it like in my life I've never had a sore arm like this. Even when I was used to work out all the time, I banged into one of the walls and I'm like, Oh my God, my arm has to come off now. Like it's, it hurt that much. <laughs> but again, like it was one of those things where like I got it and then my wife drove me to go get it because I didn't know like how I was going to yeah. feel afterwards. And as we were driving home, I was sitting in the front seat of the car and like, I could feel my arm start to hurt a little bit. Yeah. Like, and then, but after like two days, it was fine. It was not, a, it wasn't anything bad. So all right, everybody, again, thank you once again to Taylor Dahl for joining us. And uh, on behalf of Clem, this is the Moffat on the Mic Show. I am Craig. Everybody stay safe. We'll be back Thursday night right here, 8 o'clock on the A1 Sports Network Facebook page. Have a great one, everybody.